Chapter 11 Harleen woke with a start at the sound of the sprinklers turning on. She felt nauseous, from the booze and from the guilt. Blinking her eyes to adjust to the light, Harley realized she'd fallen asleep on the couch. It was early morning, six, maybe seven. Saturday, thank God, meaning she didn't have to get Anthony to school. The light was cold and the morning crisp. Harley had forgotten to turn the heat on in the house the night before, so that was what she did first before realizing the reason she was still on the couch, Pam hadn't come home. She panicked, ignoring her nausea to sprint up the stairs to their bedroom. Empty. The bathroom was next, followed by the kids' room and Pam's office. All empty. Fuck. Pam definitely hadn't slept on the couch, since that's where Harley was. She should have been able to hear her if she'd entered the house. Wait, that wasn't the sprinklers, that was the garden hose. Harley's heart leapt as she peered out the back door to see Pam standing in the garden watering the plants. Her skin was green and her dress was smudged with mud in a few places, but other than that she looked pretty alright. Pam. Harleen left the door open behind her as she burst out into the yard. Oh my god, I was so worried. Harley continued toward her but was stopped by her voice. Good morning, Harleen, she said, icily, not turning to face the other woman. Hey, hi. Yeah, good morning, Harley was too relieved to hide her excitement. Where did you sleep last night? I thought maybe you might be cold. Pam didn't respond, just calmly went to shut the hose off before heading back into the house and up the stairs. Harley jogged after her, hoping that maybe she could just be mad and they could get past it. Pam stopped short of their bedroom door and finally acknowledged Harley. The kids need breakfast, she said, before shutting the door in her wife's face. Harleen stood there in the hallway for a moment, studying the design of the wood in front of her. Well, I think that could have gone worse, breakfast, yeah, she could make breakfast. She could make the best damn breakfast her kids had ever eaten. Best damn breakfast Pam had ever seen. No oh oh. Joe fussed, banging her cup of dry Cheerios on her high chair. No. Mama. Anthony cautiously eyed his sister. Joe doesn't like Cheerios. Joe doesn't like anything, Harleen grumbled as she was pelted with her daughter's now empty cup. The girl began to cry, seemingly at her sudden self-induced loss of food. Anthony watched her for a moment before getting up and crossing the living room to the record player. He switched it on and gently set the needle down on the record, and suddenly, Jolene fell silent, listening to Dolly Parton repeat her name over and over again. She likes the song, Anthony explained as he took his seat at the table once more, just in time for Pam to walk down the stairs wearing a turtleneck sweater and jeans, her hair still a bit damp from the shower. Mom. Anthony grinned. She offered him a half-baked smile in return, coming around to kiss Jolene on the head and then grab an apple from the fruit bowl. I'll be in the greenhouse, she told them, leaving as quickly as she'd arrived. Wait. Pam, hold on. Harleen pulled on her winter coat. Anthony, you're in charge of sis for a second. Just make sure the song keeps playing, come get me if you need to, with that, Harley jogged out after her. Pam, please. Can we talk? Look, I'm really sorry. I seriously fucked up, okay? Pam was sitting down behind her workbench, 
so Harley let herself in and closed the door behind them. I just, I was really angry and pretty drunk and I wasn't thinking. I'm sorry, she concluded. Pam took a bite of her apple, watching her where she stood near the entrance. I can still see the ceiling. What? Those weren't exactly the first words she was expecting. Have you ever been raped, Harleen? Pam asked, putting the piece of apple in her cheek so she could speak. And not statutory rape. I mean, have you ever been held down, gagged, had your legs forced open, and something, not necessarily part of the human body, shoved inside of you? Have you ever been torn apart, Harleen? Ripped in two? I, uh, no, Harleen stammered, her stomachache worsening. Mmm, Pam nodded, chewing and swallowing. The ceiling, it was cement. He moved me down to the basement. We used it to store equipment, but he used it to store me. Pam, I'm, I'm so sorry, Harleen breathed. No you're not. Not really, anyway, Pam said, taking another bite. The ceiling had a few cracks in it. On the first day, I thought they were just cracks, but by the end of the first week, that ceiling could have very well been the Sistine Chapel for all its intricacies. That's what I see when I close my eyes at night. Fifty-five years later, that ceiling is what I see. Harley swallowed, hard. Pam got up from her chair and walked around the bench, casually leaning against it. I could hear people walking above me. Just, going about their usual days. Sometimes I'd wondered if it was my friends up there, Alec, Damien, Linda, but it was usually him. I'd scream until my voice went hoarse, or at least I thought I did. With what was being pumped into my system, I could have made it all up. But I'd scream and he would come. Have you ever been fucked by a dog, Harleen? Harley's mouth fell open, the color draining from her face. Oh, don't worry. Neither have I, Pam waved her off. But if you were to ask my drug-addled brain that question back then, I'd probably have a much different answer. That was one of the more vivid hallucinations I experienced. He took the form of a giant, salivating hound, in reality, though, it was just my brain attempting to assign him another face. Unbidden tears were gathering in Harleen's eyes. Pammy, I. Don't call me that. Pam rifled the apple at her, and Harleen had to duck to avoid it. Pam tapped her wrist in a pattern that she'd learned through their EMDR therapy, and in another moment she'd calmed back down. Nobody came to save me, Harleen. No one heard my screams. Leather is an impressive material, truly. If I wasn't now frightened of the feeling or the smell, I would employ it more often in my work, turns out leather is much sturdier than the human wrist and ankle bones, Pam rubbed her right wrist soothingly. Do you understand the level of desperation required to purposefully snap your bone in half? To focus all your energy on hurting yourself so severely? Harleen nodded, silently. And then I ran on it, Pam laughed, mirthlessly. For two miles through the streets of downtown Seattle on my broken ankle, in nothing but my bra and underwear, I didn't have time to feel ashamed, I just had to get away, and after that, I didn't see the world again for another four months, and when I did, I was. She held up her green hands. This. Harleen had forfeited to her emotions at this point, allowing tears to roll down her cheeks. Pamela, I am so. So. Sorry, Harley wanted to go to her, wanted to reach out, 
to touch her, to kiss her, to fix her. But she didn't dare take a step closer. Pam was watching her again. How long have you had that in your holster? How many times has it been on the tip of your tongue? Was it your fail-safe? If an argument ever got out of hand, did you keep your finger in the pin of that grenade knowing it would ruin me? When I gave myself to you for the first time, when I asked you to marry me, on our wedding night, when Anthony and Jolene were born, were those phrases there, swimming around in your mind, poised for your selfish use the whole time? No, no it wasn't like that, Pam. You have to believe me, Harley pleaded. Were you curious, Harleen? Pam asked. Curious as to how I would react? Did you think about it when we were having sex? Did you make me pull the car over last night because you knew that's when it would hurt the worst? Harley sniffed and wiped the tears away from her face. I can't stand the smell of you, Pam said, disgusted. I trusted you, Harleen. I trusted you with everything and you threw it back in my face. Get out. Please. Chapter 12 Pamela clacked her heels insistently below the table, her hands trapped under her thighs on the seat. The sun was long past set and dinner was long past cold, the gravy having congealed on her potatoes. But still, she waited. Patience, 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 she sang in her head, ignoring the insistent growling of her stomach and the sharp pain in her bladder. When the clock chimed nine, her tapping became louder, her rhythm faster. Pamela, her mother scolded from the other end of the table. Stop your incessant fidgeting. Pamela did stop, her face now hot, switching to squeezing her hamstrings instead. That was silent, at least. Mother, may I be excused? No. Just very quickly, please. Just use the washroom. No. Pamela's gaze returned to her plate where she studied the thickened gravy, then she looked up excitedly. Mother, did you use animal fat to make this gravy? Yes, Pamela, her mother sighed. Well. Pamela smiled. Did you know that animal fats don't stay liquid at room temperature because their carbon atoms are saturated with hydrogen atoms, so they're able to lie straight and pack neatly into solid arrangement? As opposed to plants, whose missing hydrogen atoms cause kinks in the fatty acid chains, reducing the amount of intermolecular bonding that occurs, therefore allowing it to stay liquid? Her mother raised an eyebrow. And what in the world will I or you ever do with that information? I just think it's sort of wonderful, Pamela smiled. To think of coagulation as atoms snuggling closer together to fight off the cooler temperatures. Well, I think it's a bit ridiculous, said her mother, glancing up at the clock. A few moments of silence passed before Pamela asked, Did you attend a university? No, her mother answered, plainly. But you will. Seems it's the only way to find a man with any career prospects these days. And I think it will be wise to get you married as quickly as possible seeing as how I'm not convinced you'll age well, given how much time you spend out in the sun, you'll look like a raisin by the time you're thirty. Pamela took her hands out from under her and studied them, scrutinizing their every bend and divot for a blemish that didn't exist. Not a single scratch marred their pale surface. The front door opened and Mr. Isley walked in, hanging his hat and coat on the hook just inside. You're late, Mrs. Isley intoned. We've been waiting. He sighed. So I am, Lillian. I'll have supper in my study. 
I've got work to do. You were just at work, she reminded him. And Pamela and I expected to eat dinner as a family. Well, Lillian. He took his plate and silverware from the table. Seeing as how dinner was your sole responsibility today, I don't feel terrible about giving you the opportunity to experience some adversity. Mrs. Isley drew her mouth into a hard line. Very well, she murmured, watching him retreat down the hallway. Mother, may I use the washroom now? Pamela asked, desperate at this point. Yes, fine, she waved her off. Go. Pamela rapidly rose from the table and began the fastest run she could muster in her school shoes. No running in the house, her mother bellowed. The girl forced herself to slow. Knowing what it would mean as she rounded the corner at a measured pace. She was two doors away from her destination when she began to feel the warm liquid trickle down her leg. Isley, Flash's voice came over the intercom. Ivy ignored him, comfortable in her seat in the rec room, leisurely flipping through the newest issue of her favorite botanical journal. Dr. Isley. Cyborg stopped mid-push-up. You deaf? No. Pam answered, plainly, flipping to the next page. Paging poison ivy. Oh, goddammit, she angrily threw the magazine down on the table and started in a huff up to the main floor. Cyborg snickered as she left and it took all her willpower not to attempt kicking his arms out from under him. What do you want? Ivy asked, her arms crossed. Flash spun around in his chair, and then around again when he failed to stop his momentum. They need backup in Metropolis. Ivy laughed. I think whatever it is, Superman can handle it. Superman and Supergirl are off-planet for the day, Flash informed her. Ivy groaned. Why can't you do it? I'm in charge, he spread his arms wide, indicating the control panel he sat at. It's not my job to fix stuff today, it's my job to find the right people to fix it, so, go do that. The shuttle dropped her off near a smoking, overturned car as civilians fled the scene. Excuse me, she grabbed a woman by the shirt as she ran past her, stopping her in her tracks. The woman's eyes were wide with fear. Can you tell me what the problem is here? It's, it's Livewire, the woman breathed. Batwoman tried to. You have got to be fucking kidding me, Ivy flipped the sky off just in case Flash happened to be looking and shoved the woman aside, rounding the corner towards the flashes of light in the distance. Batwoman did a backhand spring to avoid a bolt of electricity that left the sidewalk blackened returning fire with a spray of what Ivy guessed was silica dust, one of the Bat Clan's many toys. Leslie, Ivy greeted with a smile. Livewire turned, surprised to hear that name, until she saw Ivy and her lips spread into a wide smile. Poison Ivy, you slut. Batwoman was evidently grateful for the break as she was resting with her hands on her knees, breathing heavily. Ivy put her hands on her hips. Oh, come now, Leslie. No need to be crude, she asked. Fine, how about, traitor? Livewire asked, decreasing her electrical output to lower herself to the ground. Well, that's a bit romantic, Ivy chuckled. Mmm. Leslie was amused. Ever seen a tree in a lightning storm? Yeah, she has, Batwoman straightened up, circling around her target. And it makes her really mad. 
Ivy rolled her eyes and stomped her foot on the ground, summoning a thick vine from beneath the pavement. Livewire was alert enough to zap it before it could wrap around her, and the vine flailed in the air as it burnt. Bitch, Ivy grumbled as three more burst from the concrete. Livewire gave the first two the same treatment, but the third exploded just before it reached her, the moisture. Running through it dampening her long enough for Batwoman to aim her silica spray. While her attention was removed, Ivy directed another vine to wrap around the woman's waist and drag her to the ground. Ivy sighed as Batwoman gave Livewire a thorough spray to finish her off where she lay on the ground. You're better than that, Leslie. Bring your a game next time, then she turned to Batwoman. I thought bats were nocturnal, and lived in Gotham, and had other responsibilities to tend to in the daylight. I'm on loan, Batwoman told her. And cats are useful allies. Ivy nodded, and, having received all the information she needed, began to walk back to the shuttle before tossing a be careful over her shoulder. She knew she shouldn't have told Flash she wasn't rushing to get home at the end of the day. He was so nosy. She enabled her headset when she returned to the shuttle. Should I be helping with containment? That's a negatory, Poison Oki. Ivy, it's Poison Ivy. She grumbled, strapping herself in. Pamela was late getting home again, on purpose. She was aiming to arrive just as Harleen was putting the children to bed, that way she could relieve her of her duties and there wouldn't be enough time for Harleen to attempt a conversation before she left for her patrol shift. It was nine o'clock when she walked in, but for some reason, everyone was sitting at the table. Mom. Anthony said excitedly as she closed the front door behind her. Mama got us pizza with pineapple. Well, that's, wonderful, Pam hung her coat on the hook. But what are you doing awake? I was commuting today, Harleen reminded her from where she was cutting Joe's slice into manageable pieces. And I'm off tonight so everything was sort of pushed back. We were going to wait for you to eat, but... No. Pam said quickly. No, I'm glad you didn't. Harley, Anthony and Jolene were all a bit startled by Pam's sudden outburst on the subject, but Harley cautiously braved another sentence. I got you a salad. The one with the little oranges, she pointed to a container on the table. Dressing on the side. Pam didn't move from where she stood, just looked from Harleen to the children. You could, eat it in the greenhouse, if you want, Harley offered, sensing Pam's continued discomfort around her. She watched curiously as Pam nervously squeezed the side of her leg. Pamela, would you like to hold Jolene? When Pam didn't answer, Harley got up from her chair, taking Jolene with her, and walked over to the other woman. Hey, she said, softly. Whatever it is, you're here, all right? Your feet are touching the ground, your head is above water, here, Harley handed her the baby. Just, it's okay. Pam held Jolene tightly to her body, rocking her side to side like she used to on those sleepless nights when she was an infant rather than a toddler. Pam closed her eyes and breathed in the smell of the girl's strawberry blonde hair. Patience, patience, patience. I'm sorry, Harleen whispered, for what was probably the millionth time in the last month. I'm sorry I dragged you back. Pamela knew she was. At this point, she was sure of it. But she couldn't stop the associations. Her brain made connections too quickly. But that night, for the first time since the incident, 
Pamela did sleep in their bed rather than in the greenhouse. She did it wearing a long-sleeved nightgown and sweatpants rather than her typical underwear and oversized t-shirt, but it was certainly progress nonetheless. She sat up in bed and watched Harleen change, speaking up when she removed her shirt to reveal a large bandage on her side held in place by gauze that wrapped all the way around her waist. Is that a burn? Yeah, Harleen said, a bit nervously, clearly treading carefully in any and every conversation with her wife at this point. She zapped me pretty good. You came just in time, I was hurting. Mmm, Pam nodded. Who bandaged it? Alfred. I think it's a second degree, Harley told her. Pam just nodded again, laying down in the bed now, pulling the covers all the way up to her chin. So. Harley cleared her throat, slipping into bed beside her, but careful not to touch her beneath the blankets. It seemed like you might have been triggered by something in the kitchen. Do you want to talk about it? Pam almost laughed. No. Certainly not with you, she could see the hurt in the other woman's features in the comment, but it wasn't Pam's job to baby her on the subject. I understand, Harleen murmured. I wouldn't want to talk to me either, she reached out to tuck the lock of hair that had fallen in front of Pam's eye behind her ear, but quickly abandoned the movement, blushing a bit as she retracted her hand. I, um, I got in touch with a realtor today. Pam was intrigued, but tried not to let on. Oh. Yeah, Bruce recommended her to me, Harleen said. Since you went ahead and made the decision for us, moving is pretty inevitable, so I thought I should at least be involved in the process. It was the best option, Pam mumbled, rolling to lie on her side facing the other direction. That's not the point, Harleen sighed. The point is people who are married make life-changing decisions together. Pam didn't respond right away, just brought her knees to her chest and wrapped her arms around them, comforting herself as she'd been forced to for most of her life. I got excited. What? Harley asked, lulling her head to study the other woman's back. About being a doctor again, Pam said. I got excited and I, I wanted to keep you. I thought, I wasn't quite sure, I just wanted to keep you. Harleen either wasn't following or didn't have anything to say because instead of responding, she moved forward slightly and pressed her lips to the redhead's shoulder blade. I love you, Pamela. Pam's pillow was wet where her face lay, so she quickly reached up and shut the bedside lamp off, refusing to offer her wife another opportunity to perceive her as weak. Good night, Harleen. Chapter 13 Hey, I don't think so, dude. Harleen warned as Anthony went to set his bottle back in the fridge. You need to drink that entire thing before you get in the car. Anthony pouted. How come? Harleen was strapping Jolene into her high chair for breakfast. Because special boys need special drinks, all right? Just, please. You're gonna make mom late. Anthony grumbled as he begrudgingly returned the straw to his mouth, attempting to suck down the horrible liquid. Mom, can you do up my tie? He asked Pam as she emerged from her study, briefcase in hand. Mama's better at that, she admitted. But I can tie your shoes. Pfft, Mom, I'm not a baby anymore. I can do that all by myself. Pam smiled to herself, turning to the sink to get a glass of water. Well excuse me. Okay, come here, Harleen beckoned Anthony over as she finished slicing Joe's banana. 
You know you don't have to wear a tie to school, right? She wrapped the fabric around itself. Mr. Wayne said it's how come he has such a big house. Because he wears ties and stuff. Anthony explained. Harley laughed while Pam scoffed, setting her water down. Mr. Wayne has such a big house because Mr. Wayne was born into a billion-dollar fortune. I can guarantee you it has little to do with his business acumen, let alone his wardrobe. Anthony frowned, doing some mental arithmetic. Does he wear a tie when you go to work for him? Harleen froze, turning to look at Pam where she leaned against the counter, drumming her fingers on the surface. Narrowing her green eyes, she let slip a muffled, touché, before pushing off and grabbing her briefcase. But not for long, she gave an oddly cheery smile. Harley finished with the tie and stood up. Backpack? She prompted. Anthony slid it off the table and strapped it onto his back. Check. Okay, Harleen smiled, leaning down to kiss him on the forehead. Have a good day, all right? And you too. Out of habit, she leaned in to give Pam a kiss, but quickly realized her mistake when the redhead moved back instead of forward. Yes, and you, Pam offered, cordially, taking Anthony by the hand and walking out the door. Bye, Mama. He said before the door shut. So, that's not gonna work anymore, Harley decided, turning back to Jolene. It had been a month and a half already. Are you ready to do some work today? Mmm, 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 the girl hummed, a satisfied smile on her face as she pushed another piece of banana into her mouth. I'm going to take that as a, yes, Harleen grinned. First things first, we're gonna need to make a few calls, does our fax machine work? Joe slapped her open palm on her tray, smashing the banana that was stuck there. You're right. Of course it does. My wife is like 90 years old, Harley started down the hallway to Pam's study. Don't go anywhere. Leland, Leland, Leland. She scrolled through her contacts as she plugged the fax machine into the wall. The doctor picked up on the 3RD ring. Hello? Joan. Hi. Harley said, glad to have caught her given her busy patient schedule. This is Harleen, Dr. Quinzel. How are you? Oh, I'm, doing well. Joan was clearly surprised to hear from her. Are you, calling to negotiate your return? No. Harley answered quickly. I'm calling for a favor. A loud clattering rang out from the kitchen. What was that? Joan asked. Harley jogged back to the kitchen to make sure Joe hadn't knocked her chair over. Nope. Just pushed the glass Pam had used off of the table. Nothing, Harley assured her through the phone, scolding Joe with a look as she spoke. My daughter is just, fascinated by chaos. Daughter? Joan asked. Oh, right. Yes. But listen, I need a favor. Joan was cautious. All right. I need Poison Ivy's file. I just need you to fax it to me. Harleen said, getting the request out as quickly as possible. Joan didn't answer right away. You want me to send you your wife's insane asylum mental health file? Yes. Harley confirmed. Dr. Quinzel. Joan almost laughed. That is so, morally corrupt, I can't, I mean, no.
My God, no. Harleen sighed. I'm desperate here, Joan. Please. Pam's hanging on by a thread. Okay, so maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. I just need a refresher so that I can circumvent a possible blow-up, alright? It's a public safety crisis. Harleen. Joan said through what sounded like clenched teeth. You've got me in a tough spot here. Yes, well, it's not as if Arkham has a sterling record of ethics, Joan. And Ivy hasn't been a patient for almost twenty years. I have her best interest in mind. A half hour later, she had the file in hand. And man, was it thick. Harleen had somehow forgotten that. Easy to gloss over a few faults, or red flags, maybe, when you're sleeping with the patient. This is a bunch of paper that tells me why your mom is crazy. She explained to Joe, who was now sliding around on the living room floor on her stomach because Joe was sort of a weird kid and that was one of the many weird things she liked to do. Harleen pulled down the dry erase board that they sometimes used to make grocery lists and whatnot and uncapped the pen. All right. She poised the tip at the surface. The basics. She wrote down the names, Ivy, and, Pamela, at the top of the board. So here's the deal, Joe. There are two distinct sides to your mom's personality. Now before you get all, wait a minute, Ivy doesn't have did, you are correct. But you also don't need to have dissociative identity disorder to compartmentalize aspects of your psyche. That's a valuable lesson, Joe. I'm serious. Everyone's always rushing to make that diagnosis the second. Someone dissociates or proves they might be multifaceted and it's super fucking annoying, alright? Mama mama mama, Joe said, in what Harleen considered a confirmation. Good. So there are two distinct eras to your mom, Pamela and Ivy. She circled the corresponding names. Or, B.W. and A.W. Before Woodrue or after Woodrue, of course. Joe tucked her head into her neck attempting to eat a piece of smushed banana off of her collar, but it sort of looked like she was nodding, so Harley continued. Ivy was a reaction to what happened to Pamela, she explained. Ivy is angry, and mad is always either sad or scared just disguised. In your mom's case I suspect it's both. Now, what she's sad about is clear, Woodrue took her life away. She was, I'm guessing, a bit socially awkward, didn't know how to connect with people as well as she did plants, and so here comes this guy who tells her she's smart and gives her a job, and she trusts him. For the first time she trusts somebody and how does he repay that trust? By violating that trust. Because what is rape if not a violation? Joe rolled onto her back to stare at the ceiling. I know, Harleen sighed. I know. She wrote the word violated under Pamela. So enter Ivy. The coping mechanism. Ivy was a modern woman before it was cool and that was scary for people. Well, that and the whole serial killer thing. Joe giggled from her spot on the ground. Sadist, Harley shook her head. Her connection to her Pamela side ebbs and flows, but she seems able to channel the Ivy persona whenever, so very rarely. Do temperamental or environmental changes affect her ability to perform her Poison Ivy-related tasks? When I met her at Arkham, she was almost completely out of touch with her humanity, or, with her past, at least, well, I don't know, maybe I'm giving myself too much credit. She paced for a moment.
Or, maybe not. I don't know. Doesn't matter right now. The first few months of our relationship, after she got out of Arkham, she was Poison Ivy, or, Pamela, because she's always Pamela, but Pamela leaning Ivy. She drew a circle around Ivy and then connected it to the Pamela with a thick line. So then the whole Joker thing went down. Joe's tongue lazed out of her mouth and she slobbered on the floor. Well I'm not gonna get too much into it, Harleen told her. But, bullet points, I got shot because Joker insulted Pamela and Ivy couldn't control her temper. It's like she sees her former self as this, innocent that still, to this day, needs a champion. I think she idealizes her, or that time in her life, but anyway, your mom has a nasty temper. Joe didn't have much to say about that, so Harley shrugged. It's true, and then moved on. So Ivy got triggered, like, pretty severely because of illusions Joker made to her assault, she has PTSD, by the way, but the weird thing is that afterwards, in her affected period, the flashbacks were about her childhood. Her mother, specifically. Harley stopped pacing and turned to Joe. Which is probably exactly what happened this time. I triggered her by referencing the rape, but last week in the kitchen, I mean, it must have been the domestic setting, right? Joe was humming to herself again. Exactly, Harleen agreed. So if, ugh. She came back to the table and opened the file. Jason Woodrue, Jason Woodrue. She flipped past his picture to the crime scene photos of the basement, a section of Pam's file she'd skipped. Previously. Fuck, Joe. She studied the weathered photographs, the bloodied table, the broken straps. According to the police report, after Pam woke up from the coma, she told law enforcement officials where she'd been held and they were able to connect her account to a crime scene they'd discovered some months before. They found the room before they found Pamela. Harley's stomachache returned. So this, this was the breaking point, where she lost her ability to regulate, Harley tapped her finger on the photo. But the trauma, Joe, what if she had PTSD before Woodrue? Look, I mean, that's how I beat her the first time, or, not beat her, relationships shouldn't be a competition. I love her. Have for a very, very long time, but it took a little push to make it livable. The thing is, though, when I, broke her, I did it by invoking her mother. It's almost like, Ivy's, monster, is Woodrue, and Pam's is her mother. She made a quick note on the board before resuming her pacing. But see, she lost a bit of her confidence after that. Sort of took on this 50s housewife thing, which doesn't exactly match up with the typical Ivy characterization, but was amazing and fantastic and totally what I needed for that time in my life, and I think it was good for her too. So maybe that was Pamela. Or, maybe that was her mother's Pamela. Harley drew a little offshoot of the name and added the word mother. But Pam's also a perfectionist through and through. She has to be the best at everything. So maybe, maybe that was her being the best wife possible. Proof that she was or is, in fact, perfect. Harley glanced down at Joe where she was gnawing on a battlesuit Batman she'd found under the couch before turning back to the file. I remember the whole murdering her parents thing not being in her file, but there should at least be some background. I mean, she was a ward of the state, so there should probably be a, birth certificate. Joe stared up at her questioningly. Yours are forged, Harley told her, quickly. Let's see, 7 LBS, 14 ounces ah. 
Harley smiled. Guess how much I weighed. Seriously, Joe. Guessed. The girl threw the toy across the living room. Six pounds, six ounces, born on September 11th. Harley told her. I think I was meant for some terrible fate or, like, I was meant to be the Antichrist or something. Probably in your mom's eyes at this point. Harleen cleared her throat, getting off that train of thought. Pamela Lillian Isley, she read, born to Howard Isley and Lillian Isley. Harley frowned. Lillian, Dr. Lillian Rose. Rose. Joe, that's weird, right? Joe was bobbing her head up and down. Because her mother, Lillian, was obsessed with roses, right? That's what the... She looked down at the engagement ring on her finger above her wedding band, the white gold rose holding a sapphire. That's either just a weird coincidence or some cosmic fuckery, I guess. But she does use that name a lot. Lillian, I mean. It was always, Pamela Lillian Isley, not just Pam Isley. Mama Mama Mama, Joe mumbled. Well yeah, it's her middle name, but you don't see me going around introducing myself as, Harleen Francis Quinzel, do you? Joe was preoccupied with knocking the Batman on the ground. Okay, Harleen sighed, shaking her head. So what questions do I need answered? Because the mom angle was how I fixed things last time. One, why is she still so important to her? Two, how do I use that to my advantage? Can't answer the second without the first. She took a deep breath. If I had a shitty mom, I would want to do everything different with my kids, right? I mean, I already do. That's like, human nature. To want to improve upon bullshit you had to put up with as a kid. So what does Pam do that her mother didn't? What does Pam do? Pam insists on taking Anthony to school in the mornings. Pam. Shows a lot of physical affection with the kids. Pam, says, I love you. All the time. She says it all the frickin' time, so much so that Anthony asked me if she thought he would forget. Oh, holy shit. Harley laughed, not cruelly, just continually in awe of how the mind's most complex problems are often rooted in something so simple. Pam's still trying to earn her mother's love. Joe smiled, her green eyes twinkling. Harley grinned too and sat down next to her on the ground, pulling the girl into her lap. I could probably get her in two questions. But, there's no way she's ready for any sort of therapeutic conversation with me. I totally obliterated the trust necessary for that relationship. She absently stroked Joe's round cheek. I need leverage. I need, to call that relator. The worst part of this whole mess was that Harlene had initially been in the right. She'd had a strong argument. Pam had, indeed, been an asshole uprooting their family like that. But, Harleen took it too far. She just totally nuked the human decency that was supposed to be an example for Pam in their relationship. She just, she broke it, and now any argument Harleen raised on any other subject was essentially null and void. And so here she was, pushing herself around the 4th listing on the relators list, trying to pretend like this wasn't all complete and absolute bullshit. She was doing it for leverage and because it was necessary to move forward. Pam was carrying Jolene on her hip and discussing something with the realtor. It was probably about money and Pam was paying for the house anyway. Harleen sighed as she came to a stop in the middle of the living room, 
She liked the open spaces, but it just seemed so, cold. They'd spent 16 years making their house a home and the thought of starting over wasn't just frightening, it was frustrating. Honey, how were the ramps? Could you get them up okay? Pam called over. Harleen knew Pam was just putting on a show, since she hadn't called her by any term of endearment in over a month, but she'd take what she could get. Yes, fine. She smiled. Anthony was sliding on his but down the carpeted stairs. If we live here I want the room close to the stairs so I can do this before school, he informed Harleen. Understood. She nodded. I'll give you a moment alone, the relator said with an almost frighteningly bright smile before she exited in favor of the front lawn. Well, what do you think? Pam asked. What? Do. You. Think. She repeated, smiling down at Joe and bouncing her with each word. Joe giggled and covered her face with her hands like she was embarrassed. Pam was rarely playful like that, and the kids always loved it when she was. So did Harleen, actually. Joe likes it much better than the last one. Pam smiled. How about you, Anthony? Well. He said, thoughtfully resting his chin on his hands. I don't like it as much as our house. Harleen sighed. We can't live in that house anymore, bud. Why not? He asked, genuinely curious rather than upset. Yeah, Pam. Why not? Harley passed the question along. Pam narrowed her eyes at her before turning her attention to Anthony. Because I'm getting a new name and a new job, so we need a new house. Wait, he stood up, suddenly concerned. But we don't have to get new moms, though, right? Anthony could always make Harleen laugh, even if she wasn't exactly in the mood and he wasn't doing it on purpose. No, you don't. I think you're stuck with us, she saw an opportunity to plant a seed for her and Pam's later conversation, so she jumped on it. Do you want new moms? Anthony's eyes grew wide at even the suggestion. No way. Harley glanced over at Pam to see one of those rare, completely unadulterated expressions of happiness on her face. A dazzling smile with slightly flushed cheeks. She just wants to know she's doing a good job. Chapter 14 the village children listened attentively, Harleen read aloud. And the dryad no less attentively, she became a schoolchild with the rest. Mama, what's a dryad? Anthony asked, tugging at the cape on his Miss Martian doll. Harley looked up from Hans Christian Andersen's The Dryad. It's like a tree spirit, she explained. The boy furrowed his brow. But don't all trees have spirits? Well, yes, but dryads are like people sort of. Or, they kind of look like them. It's not real, it's a fairy tale, Harley told him. But. Anthony's frown deepened. Isn't mom like that? Isn't she a plant and a person? I, yes, Harleen admitted. So they are real? I don't know, I guess so. Now are you going to let me finish the story? Harleen asked, a bit impatiently. Anthony wrinkled his nose and snuggled deeper into the covers as Joe abandoned chewing on her stuffed unicorn in favor of one of the wooden slats of the crib Pam had made. They were convinced the girl would forever be teething. Harleen cleared her throat pointedly and returned her attention to the book. 
She felt so happy in beautiful France, the fruitful land of genius, with the crater of freedom. But in her heart the sting remained that the bird, that every animal that could fly, was much better off than she. Even the fly could look about more in the world, far beyond the dryad's horizon. Anthony scowled at Joe as she began to giggle. It's not funny, Joe. It's sad. Harley reached out and squeezed his hand where it lay atop the covers as she continued. France was so great and so glorious, but she could only look across a little piece of it. The land stretched out, worldwide, with vineyards, forests and great cities. Of all these Paris was the most splendid and the mightiest. The birds could get there, but she never did. How come? Anthony asked. Why couldn't she leave there? Harlene shrugged, maybe she was scared. Mom wouldn't be scared. He mumbled. Among the village children was a little ragged, poor girl, but a pretty one to look at, Harlene moved on. She was always laughing or singing and twirling red flowers in her blonde hair. Don't go to Paris, the old clergyman warned her. Poor child. If you go there, it will be your ruin, but she went for all that. The dryad often thought of her, for she had the same wish, and felt the same longing for the great city. What color is blonde, again? Anthony wanted to know. Harleen tapped her head, indicating her own hair as she continued to read, skipping a few paragraphs because she was sure Anthony wouldn't be able to tell the difference and it wasn't really for him anyway. With the little girl gone, and herself still lonely, Dryad's thoughts trembled, her limbs trembled, she sank down on the grass by the bubbling water. Thou wilt ever spring living from the earth, she said mournfully. Moisten my tongue, bring me a refreshing drought. I am no living water, was the answer. I only spring upward when the machine wills it. Give me something of thy freshness, thou green grass, implored the dryad, give me one of thy fragrant flowers. We must die if we are torn from our stalks, replied the flowers and the grass. Give me a kiss, thou fresh stream of air, only a single life kiss. Soon the sun will kiss the clouds red, answered the wind, then thou wilt be among the dead, blown away, as all the splendor here will be blown away before the year shall have ended. Then I can play again with the light loose sand on the place here, and whirl the dust over the land and through the air. All is dust. That's what they say to me, Anthony admitted, quietly. The flowers tell me they're hurting. I know, baby. Harley whispered, gently. He clutched his doll closer, lip quivering. So, so she was too scared to leave with the girl and, and then her world died? Harleen quickly glanced over the book. There was still a while more to go, and she felt like she'd skipped some important parts, but, with what she did read, she supposed that was a decent summary. Emichem, she nodded. And trees can't live in dust, Anthony realized. So she died too, all because she was scared, he studied his Miss Martian for a moment before looking up at Harley. Do you think Mom would follow the girl? Oh, I know she would, Harleen smiled. She already did. It's how we got you and Joe, she leaned down to give him a kiss on the cheek and he wrapped his arms around her neck as she did, trying to keep her there a moment longer. I'm glad about that, he whispered into her ear. Me too, Harley whispered back before he let go and she tucked him underneath the blankets. Good night. Love you, mama, he mumbled, closing his eyes.
Harley walked over and forcibly detached Joe's mouth from the crib, laying her on her back and planting a kiss on her forehead. Night, weirdo. Pam was sitting in the hallway just outside the door with her knees drawn to her chest and her head resting back against the wall, eyes closed. She opened them when Harley gently closed the bedroom door. Hey, Harley prayed that Pam had been there the whole time, listening to the story and to Anthony because the choice of story had certainly been strategic. Silently, Pam held her hands up to Harley, who tentatively grabbed them and helped her up. She didn't move away once she was on her feet, and when she did release the other woman's hands it was so that she could gently cup her jaw. Harlene stayed absolutely still staring back at her as Pam looked into her eyes, learning from the silence as she so often did. She attempted to further quiet her breathing and the pounding of her heart, as if even the slightest sound would scare Pam off. After another moment of waited silence, Pam leaned forward and kissed her softly. Not dispassionately, exactly, but also not an invitation to start ripping her clothes off, even if that was exactly what Harleen wanted to do. Harley was smiling before the kiss was even over, but her face quickly fell when Pam whispered, you're a liar. Harley was silently guided back against the wall, her confusion evident as Pam kissed her again, pressing deeper this time. The girl's hair is black, not blonde, she hissed, tugging at Harley's earlobe with her teeth. So she had been listening, Harley gasped as Pam's hand snaked up inside her shirt. I didn't want him picturing Selena, oh, Pamela. For a second there I almost thought you were going to be unpredictable, but, nope. Suddenly, Pam stopped and forcefully pressed her forehead against Harley's, to the point where the pressure was almost painful. Don't ever try to pull that shit again, she said through clenched teeth. I don't ever want to hear those words from you. Harley attempted to nod and surge forward to capture her lips again, but she was stopped with a hand around her neck. I'm fucking serious. She wasn't squeezing with her hand, which Harleen was grateful for, just holding it there like a warning. Of what, Harley wasn't quite sure. She didn't think Pam would ever hurt her physically. Not really, anyway. But she was certainly drawing a line in the sand. Harley had made a significant mistake and further slip-ups of that nature would not be so, kindly, received. Do you hear me? There was venom in her tone. Harlene looked at the other woman with every ounce of sincerity she could muster. Pam's skin was her darkest shade of green and her eyes flickered with the poison she usually reserved for her enemies. This was Ivy, and she'd come to protect Pamela again. Red. Harlene made sure her gaze never wavered, their eye contact never ceased. On my life, on the kids, it will never happen again. Chapter 15 What the fuck are you smiling about? Selena asked through labored breaths. What? Harleen painted, not quite registering what Selena was saying as she began her sprint interval. Her mind shut off for the next 60 seconds, but when she began to slow down again, Selena was still jogging on the treadmill beside her, staring at her judgmentally. That stupid smile, she posed the question slower this time. Why is it on your face right now? Harley brought herself down to a speed walk and felt her face with her hands. Oh, her smile widened and she jumped to set her feet on the fixed portion of the treadmill on either side of the moving track. With her arms thrust out wide she sang, I just had a CX. Selena's feet stopped running but the track kept moving, flinging her off the back of the machine. 
She was, of course, able to land on her feet, but was visibly shaken. Doogie, why? Harleen laughed as she jumped back on and started her final interval. Still giggling, although breathlessly by the end of it, she shut off the machine and wiped the sweat from her brow with a towel. Oh, knock it off, she rolled her eyes at Selena who was clutching her stomach as if she were ill. We were having a bit of a dry spell, but that's over now, she sang the last part to the tune of It Must Have Been Love. Please stop, Selena threw over her shoulder as she headed for the weight section of Wayne Manor's private gym. I'm so sorry, I asked. I really don't want to know. Harleen grabbed her water bottle and followed behind her. Well, like, it was mostly me taking and her giving, which she likes to think is a punishment for me somehow, but like, I'll take it, anytime, anywhere, you know? I hope you're talking about my fist and not sex from Ivy, Selena seemed to be resisting the urge to cover her ears. Oh, no way, Harleen laughed, skipping now. We never get that kinky. Get out, Selena said immediately. Leave this place. Now. Go on, get it. You're not wanted here. Harley waved her off. So what should we start with? Muscle up slash pull up supersets, remember? That's what we, Selena stopped herself. Hey. No. This is no longer a joint workout. You lost that privilege. The great Catwoman, a prude? Who knew? Harley spread her hands out like the words were up in lights. I can see the headline now, Gotham's second most notorious sex pot, a fraud. Selena groaned. Go fuck a plant, Harley. I did. The blonde laughed. That's how we got into this mess in the first place. Resolutely ignoring her, Selena jumped up and grabbed a hold of the pull-up bar, gathering momentum by swinging slightly and yanking herself up over the bar. She held herself at the top for a moment, her elbows locked under her before gently swinging down and returning to the starting position. She was beginning her second repetition when she noticed Harley dancing on the ground below her, thrusting her hips like she was playing a male stripper in Magic Mike. Selena swung forward and kicked her in the chest, pushing her to the ground. Rude, Harley grumbled, dusting herself off as Barbara entered the room. No crying in baseball, Barbara told her, smirking and no sitting in the gym. Them's the rules, baby. Yeah, well, Selena, I seem to remember you saying that we don't hit our friends, Harley huffed. I take it you're not one to lead by example? Kicking is totally different, Selena reasoned as she dropped down, having finished her set. Any chance Pam was able to take a quick break from her sexual exploits to replenish my skincare regimen? Oh, what? Harley crossed her arms. So you won't let me talk about my sex life but you will accept free shit from my wife? Barbara furrowed her brow. I feel like I missed something here. Consider yourself lucky, Selena told her before raising an expectant eyebrow at Harleen. So? Harley sighed. Yes, she did. You'll have to come over and get it, though. Okay, no. But really. What did I miss? Barbara glanced back and forth between the blonde and brunette in front of her. I guess Ivy was finally able to get her dick hard, Selena informed her, promptly receiving a punch in the arm from Harley. Barbara's fingers were soothingly rubbing her temple. 
That's a mental image I wish I could unconjure. All right, well. Harley took a swig of water. At least I'm getting laid. I'm getting laid, Barbara told her. I'm getting laid, Selena seconded. Harleen flipped them off and jumped up onto the bar Selena had just abandoned. So, why are you celebrating sleeping with your wife? Barbara prompted. Isn't that sort of, implied? Yeah, I'm way more interested in possible trouble and paradise than hearing about how a 90-year-old woman behaves in the bedroom, Selena agreed. Extraordinarily limber, Harley grunted as she pulled herself up. As for the other question, don't worry about it. Selena rolled her eyes and sat down on the bench behind her. Barbara was slightly more difficult to shake. Seriously. The younger woman's tone was sincere. Are you guys all right? I appreciate the MMPH support, but I, ah, uh, got it covered, Harleen struggled through her final rep. Selena narrowed her eyes. Dr. Quinzel, are we back to handling our wife? No. Harley wiped her palms on her thighs. That's, no. The brunette didn't exactly seem convinced. Harley's brain worked overtime thinking of a quick subject change, but Barbara ended up supplying it for her. How much do you think your natural facelifts cost, guys? If Pam were to charge you. MMM. Harley stroked her chin thoughtfully. She'd probably be able to pay my alimony with it. Pam would never wish them to be fighting, but it was nice to have a little bodily autonomy for a stretch. Harleen, can you just, space, I beg of you, Pam implored, pushing the blonde off of her shoulder where she was scrolling through her phone. Don't you have to go? Not for another hour. Harley smiled, turning onto her stomach and propping herself up on her elbows. How about we do something constructive until then? She walked her fingers across the comforter and up the other woman's arm. Good idea, Pam acknowledged. I'll finish reading this, and then, you'll go to work. Mean, Harleen pouted. I was thinking something a bit more, intimate, she slowly crawled up over her and swiftly snatched the case briefing away, tossing it behind her with little regard for how or where it landed. The answer to the question Harley didn't ask was, splayed open all over the floor. God damn it, Pam went to get up, but was pinned back on the bed by her shoulders. Come on, Red. Harley whined, her hot breath on Pam's neck. Don't y'all wanna rev up your Harley? Make up for some lost time? Pam raised an eyebrow, aroused, sure, but also not wanting to give her wife the satisfaction. Are we referring to ourselves as inanimate objects now? Emicham, Harley grinned, hovering over her now. So are you gonna let me water your plant or what? Oh, Gaia, Pam covered her face with her hands much like Jolene would. Can we keep puns out of the bedroom for a while? I'm trying really hard to love you right now, she watched as Harley's expression sobered above her. Pam didn't speak again. She'd said what she meant. But she did gently run her finger down Harleen's cheek, watching them as they brushed against her soft skin. Harley took Pam's hand and lowered herself so she lay stretched out over her body, her head on her chest. When she spoke, it was after a few minutes of silence. Why didn't you tell me your mom's name was Lillian? What? Your mom, Harley repeated. Pam's tone was clipped. What does it matter what her name was? 
Harleen sighed, I guess I'm just, trying to understand your relationship. It ended in me murdering her, what more is there to understand? Distractedly tracing the pattern on Pam's tank top with her index finger, Harley gave a half shrug. Why is your name, Pamela Lillian Isley? My name is Paula Irving. No. Harleen corrected. Your name is Lillian Rose. Pam didn't respond right away, instead closing her eyes and allowing herself to be soothed by the repetitive motion of Harley's finger. My mother was a very intelligent woman, she finally said, using cautious, measured phrasing. And I think that made her angry. Why? Harley asked. Because, because it wasn't what she was supposed to be, Pam explained. She was resentful of her own capacity and so she was resentful of mine as well. Harley just listened, allowing her fingers to come to a stop as Pam went on. It's an interesting experience, having a mother that doesn't love you. That truly hates you, as a matter of fact. I don't think she really hated you, Pam, Harley said, her voice affected slightly by how her cheek lay on her wife's breast. Maybe she just didn't know how to express love. No. Pam sighed, now running her fingers through Harley's blonde curls. It was that unique sort of hatred rooted in jealousy. She had never strived to become anything, so when I did, I was a hopeful child. I was, curious, and that bothered her. She'd never allowed herself to be curious. Never would. So she was angry with your dad for making her stay home and she took it out on you? Harley attempted to summarize. No, Pam laughed. Not back then. She knew her place and that role was so ingrained in her she couldn't even allow herself to be resentful of it. I think she hated me from the moment the doctor told her she'd be having a child. Since she knew I was a girl. Since she held me for the first time. I think she looked into my eyes and saw a bolt on the front door, realized that even though she couldn't even conceive of anything else, the screaming bundle in her arms was her life sentence. Harleen thought that over for a moment. Then why did she give you her name? I don't know, Pam admitted. But she hated me the most the day I brought my diploma home. Dr. Pamela Lillian Isley, Ph.D., every day I wasn't married she ridiculed me for it. Told me I was throwing my life away, wasting my beauty that could be used to create attractive offspring, my mother thought largely in appearances, it seemed. So, at first, I introduced myself using my full name just to spite her. So she would always be lumped in with my life choices. And now? Harley prompted. Pam was staring at the ceiling now. I don't regret killing her. She was cruel. Unapologetically, undeniably, cruel. She taught me to be subservient, and although I rebelled against that for most of my life, I fell back on those teachings when I needed to reject them the most and ended up strapped to a table, in a basement, being brutalized by a man I'd submitted to at first, even though he wasn't what I wanted. Harley drummed her fingers on Pam's ribcage. What did you want? MMM. Pam smiled a bit wistfully. The librarian. Harley raised her head to look at the other woman, curling an eyebrow playfully. Who was the librarian? Pam laughed. I don't know. I never asked. But she wore big, round glasses and her hair was never styled, not under any circumstances, so it would fall in her eyes when she leaned over, to, you know. File books or whatever. Harleen laughed. 
Pam attempted a glare, but gave up rather quickly. Yes, when she filed books or whatever. In hindsight, I may have spent a bit more time in the library than was strictly necessary. Oh my god, you nerd, Harley continued to laugh. Did you put the nerd moves on her? No, Pam was mildly offended. The only conversations we ever had were exceedingly brief and were typically about the weather. You lived in Seattle, Harley reminded her. What were your conversations like? It's raining again? Well, yes, if you must know, Pam huffed. I wasn't exactly as forward as a human and I'm sure she was straight. So is spaghetti, till it's wet, Harley winked. Oh my god, I married you, Pam realized, clearly horrified. I had children with you. Harleen giggled as she lay her head back down. So why are you doing it now? Because it's a legally binding document and Bruce already had to fast-track the new license. No. Why are you going by Lillian now? Oh. Pam smiled since Harley wasn't looking. Well I didn't choose it this time, but, I think maybe she would have liked that, if it had been okay to dream of such things. Maybe she'd have liked to be Dr. Lillian Isley. Or Rose. Or Rose. Chapter 16 It's the morning. Jolene shouted with glee, although the sun had yet to fully rise. You guys. You have to wake up now, she pulled herself up onto her parents' bed. Hey. She poked Harleen's cheek. Hey, mama. It's the morning time. She grabbed onto her face and attempted to force her eyelids open. Joe. Harleen groaned, sleepily pushing the girl's hands away. It's still too early. Santa hasn't even come yet. He has to. I already checked. All the presents are under the tree. Look. She held up a sticky candy cane as evidence. He put this in my stocking. Harleen slowly blinked her eyes open getting the darkened bedroom to come into focus. Jolene smiled wider when she noticed and shoved her face against the woman's, pressing kisses all over her cheeks. Honey, that, Harleen attempted to turn her face away. That's a lot first thing in the morning. But I love you lots. Joe reasoned. Even in the morning, time. Well, that's very nice. Harleen stretched. Is your brother up? Yeah, he's how I got into the greenhouse. I'm not big enough to open it myself, Joe told her. And that's by design, Pam mumbled into her pillow, her eyes shut tightly. Yay! Jolene exclaimed, wiggling up in between them. Now everyone's awake so we can start Christmas. What time is it? Pam asked. Harleen lazily flopped over and unlocked her phone. 5.20. That's ridiculous. We made a deal, Joe, Pam's eyes were still closed, out of protest, it seemed. What was our deal? Mmm, I don't remember, Joe giggled. She's lying, Pam mumbled. I know, Harleen sighed. Joe grinned. Look, mama. I've been working on my handstand, she stood up on the bed and bounced once or twice before planting her hands and kicking her legs up. She was able to maintain the position for an impressive few moments, but the bed's surface was too soft and her little muscles ultimately failed her. When she landed, it was unfortunately with her foot in Pam's face. God damn it, 
Joe. Her eyes shot open, blazing an angry green. But she only had time to take in Jolene's fear-stricken face for a moment before she felt sticky liquid dripping down over her lip. I didn't mean it, Mom. Joe exclaimed, grabbing the bedsheet and pressing it roughly to the woman's nose as it bled. The fabric began to smoke as soon as it made contact with the green liquid, and Pam smacked her hand away. The girl's eyes grew wide and her lip quivered and Pam was immediately apologetic as she pinched her nose just below the bridge to stop the bleeding. I didn't mean it, Mom. Tears began to gather in Joe's green eyes. Harleen gathered the girl up in her arms and kicked the soiled sheet down to their feet. It's okay. She soothed. Mom's not mad, you just can't touch that stuff, remember? It'll hurt you. She is so mad, Joe insisted, her tears dampening Harley's nightshirt. I just wanted to help because I hurt her. Well what the heck happened here? Pam, Harley, and Joe all turned their attention to the doorway where Anthony was standing in his pajamas with snow on his boots. Your sister kicked me in the face, Pam told him, her voice nasally as she kept up the pressure. But I didn't mean it. But she didn't mean it, Pam echoed. Did she break your nose? Anthony asked, hands on his hips. Because she breaks everything, so that would make sense. Mean. Joe pointed at him accusatory. Can't be mean on Christmas. You said the same thing about Hanukkah, he reminded her. That's Mama's Christmas, Joe explained, earning her an eye roll from her brother. Hey, Harleen laughed. No eye rolling on Christmas. Well then what can we do on Christmas? Anthony asked. Harleen grinned. How about, open presents? She began to mercilessly tickle Jolene, replacing her earlier tears with laughter. Anthony was smiling too now, but it faded somewhat when he looked at Pam. You alright, Mom? Yes, she acknowledged, cautiously testing her slightly accelerated healing by taking her hands away from her nose. No gymnastics on the bed, Jolene, he scolded. The girl stuck her fingers in her ears and screwed her eyes shut. No 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 gymnastics is for everywhere. Anthony shook his head disapprovingly and retreated back down the hallway towards the stairs. Jolene watched him go, but turned her attention to Pam when she heard her sigh. I'm really sorry my foot hit your face on Christmas, she said, staring down at her lap. Pam narrowed her eyes slightly, watching Jolene fiddle with her Powerpuff Girls pajama pants by poking Blossom in the eye. Finally, as a smirk played on her lips, Pam held out her arms to her daughter and Jolene perked up immediately, lunging forward into Pam's embrace. Well. Harleen sighed contentedly, getting up and pulling on a pair of sweats and a hoodie, at least we're awake. Mission accomplished, Joe. The girl beamed as she separated from Pam. Yeah, I did a really good job, huh? Mmm, something like that, Pam acknowledged, kissing Joe on the forehead before picking her up and setting her down on the ground. I'll need to have those incinerated, she gestured to the rumpled up sheets. That's because you're Puyas and Ivy, Joe stomped on a crack in the wood floor. And so only special little girls like me can hug you because you're my mom. But. Pam prompted. But nobody can touch your owies, not even mama because then it would give us owies, Joe answered, a wide, self-satisfied smile on her face. 
I know all the rules cause I'm the smartest. Pam got out of bed and cinched her robe around her waist. Oh, really? What was the rule about Christmas morning? That I couldn't wake you up until 6.30, Jolene proudly put her hands on her hips, and it was only when Pam raised an eyebrow that she realized what she'd done. Uh-oh. Yeah, Pam agreed, uh-oh. Looks like we know who's gonna be opening their presents last, Harlene said. Gotta work out those patience muscles. Patience muscles aren't real, Joe pouted. The tree and the presents were kept in the greenhouse because Pam categorically refused to cut down a tree and bring it inside, and having a plastic tree would have been downright sacrilegious. So, instead, she just grew one out of the soil bottom of the greenhouse. They'd brought the record player in to provide some background music appropriate for the holiday. Perhaps it was a bit unconventional, but an attempt at something, traditional, had clearly been made. Harleen sat on Pam's lap in the grass, mostly so she wasn't tasked with holding herself upright given the limited amount of sleep she'd had. She nursed a poorly prepared mug of coffee Anthony had brewed for her while they watched the kids separate their presents into distinct piles to make the opening more efficient. The wrapping paper was all, of course, made from recycled materials. Anthony first, Pam reminded Jolene, who already had her mitts on a package. Smiling, Anthony dragged the largest box over to him and read the card aloud. To Anthony, from, nerd. Harleen snickered and Pam rolled her eyes. It's from me, Honorable Mama just wrote the card. Hey. And wrapped it. Harley protested. Give me credit where credit is due. It's wrapped very nicely, Mama, Anthony granted, making the first tear in the paper. He was only halfway through unwrapping it when he shot up to his feet. No way. He looked excitedly at his parents. No way. Pam laughed. Yes way. Did you get this from work? Anthony wanted to know as he tore through the rest of the paper, revealing the robotics kit. Pam nodded, to my understanding, if programmed and assembled correctly, it will be able to both crawl and fly. I get to program it? Anthony looked at the box in awe. He couldn't believe it. Yes, but Victor said you might be a little too young for it. It's meant to accompany advanced robotics courses, Pam explained. No, I can do it, Anthony assured her. I can totally do it. Recruiting your Justice League friends to get presents for the kids is cheating, Harley whispered. Cyborg is not my friend, and there aren't rules to gift-giving, Pam whispered back. It's not a competition. It's totally a competition. All right, Pam laughed. Then how about you step up your game, Quinzel? Don't hate the player. Jolene was beginning to squirm watching her brother examine his gift. She bit her lip looking at her pile of presents and even went as far as to sit on her hands to resist the temptation to just dive in. My amnia, she finally whined, looking helplessly in her parents' direction. Harley laughed. Go ahead, Joe. And good patience. The girl grinned almost maniacally and snatched the closest present to her, ripping the paper off with no reverence to speak of. Next she tore the lid of the garment box that she'd revealed, and then her jaw dropped. It's so sparkly. She murmured, reaching into the box to grab the bright blue, sequined leotard. This is the sparkliest thing I've ever seen. Harleen and Pamela both had to bite the inside of their cheeks to keep from laughing, 
What is it, Joe? Harley asked. She raised her eyes slowly. Mama. She clutched the fabric in her hands. It's, Mama. Yes? Harleen giggled. Tears began to well up in the girl's eyes. It's a gymnastics outfit, Mama. Harley knew it was inappropriate, but she couldn't keep the smile off her face. Jolene, why are you crying? Cause it's cause it's, she held the leotard up to the light, watching as it shimmered. Cause it's the prettiest outfit I've ever seen. Turn it around, Joe. Look. Anthony urged. She did just that, and when she saw there was a bat symbol on the chest, she absolutely lost it, her tears of joy turning to full-on sobs. Jolene, Harley sat forward and set her coffee down. Jolene, would you like to put it on? Yes, please, she cried, getting up and running over to Harley, thrusting the garment at her with both hands and turning her head away like it was too amazing to even look at anymore. Jolene spent the remainder of the day doing cartwheels and handstands in front of the mirror, or kicking and punching the air, adding a na 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 be a Batman, for good measure. Later that night, when Anthony had changed back into his pajamas to watch Elf, Jolene refused, electing to remain in the leotard instead. So how is that not cheating? Pam whispered, looking at Jolene who lay fast asleep on the couch, using Anthony's shoulder as a pillow. He, too, was asleep, his glasses just barely clinging to the tip of his nose. Well, because I didn't ask for help, Harley smiled. It's just a natural instinct, she shrugged. Pam scoffed. All she talks about is gymnastics. That's like if I said I had a natural instinct that water is wet. Sass on Christmas? How dare you, Harley chastised, playfully nudging the other woman. Harley, you're Jewish, Pam reminded her. Please explain to me your fascination with this holiday. The blonde smiled and interlaced their fingers. Looking down at them, she asked, do you remember our first Christmas together? Pam took a moment to piece together the timeline. You were in your chair, right? Emicham, Harley nodded. And I was so depressed I completely forgot Hanukkah. Just, forgot it. Well I would have reminded you, but? You didn't know I was Jewish, Harley laughed. And I'm sorry about that, Pam said, her gaze now drifting to their hands as well. I just never found the need for human religion, and that was, selfish of me. Looking back. It's alright, Harley chucked. That's what you said back then, too. Because I saw you in that red sweater, remember? It was like Christmas Eve, I think, and you were wearing a red sweater up against your green skin, I was like oh shit, it's Christmas already. Pam's gaze hardened slightly. And that made you very sad. Yeah, Harleen acknowledged. It did. And you didn't get why. You said Christmas was a trillion-dollar promotion of botanical genocide. Which it is, Pam affirmed. Harley smiled. Which it is, but completely spacing an eight-night holiday helped illuminate just how lost I really was. I don't remember that, Pam admitted. Well I do, Harley turned to look at her. Because after I told you that, you took the laptop into your bedroom for like two hours with absolutely no explanation. Did I? Pam laughed. Yeah, turns out, you were in there reading literally everything there is to know about Hanukkah, 
because you're a thoughtful nerd, and you suggested that we celebrate all eight nights in one, which was so, not poison ivy of you. Pam smiled as the memory slowly came back. But you said no, it was too late. Might as well just celebrate Christmas. That's right, Harley laughed. So, there are a lot of things I like about Christmas. I like the decorations and the food and the spirit of the holiday, but my favorite thing about it is you. Why? Pam asked. Because I made an effort? Mmm, I think I'd call it a sacrifice. Harley corrected. They sat in comfortable silence for a moment as the credits began to roll on the movie. 21 Christmases, Pam whispered. Harley smiled. Finally, our marriage doesn't need a fake ID. Pam leaned her head against Harley's shoulder as Joe shifted in her sleep, mumbling something incoherent. Do you want to take them up to bed? Pam asked as the credit song switched to Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. No, Harley said, shrugging her off of her shoulder and standing up. Pam raised an eyebrow and Harley extended a hand. Questioningly, Pam took it and was helped to her feet. With a small smile on her lips, Harley gently placed her hand on Pam's hip and kept hold of the other one, swaying slightly with the music. Pam took her cue and draped her hands over Harleen's shoulders, leaning in and resting her face in the crook of her neck, taking a deep breath as they moved in unison. Harley wrapped her other arm around Pam's waist and pulled her closer. I wish we could have twenty-one more like this, she murmured. Well I'm not going anywhere, Pam smiled, kissing the soft skin below her lips. But I am, Harleen reminded her, and as she did she felt Pam suddenly clutch a bit tighter. We don't have to talk about that now. But we will someday, Harley said. Maybe someday soon. Anthony is ten already, Joe is five, I told you it would all move quickly. Pam nodded subtly, still not loosening her grip. The other moms in the PDA think I married a younger woman, Harleen chuckled. Pretty soon they'll be calling me a cougar, her neck began to feel damp when Pam's face was pressed, so she kissed the top of her head, knowing Pam was upset, but knowing it would upset her more if Harley saw her cry. We're going to have to explain it to the kids. I don't want it, Pam mumbled, her voice a bit shaky. And I don't want things to change. Yeah, me neither. Harley sighed. I'm sorry I'm a human. You don't have to be, Pam whispered. I could change you, the words were out before Pam could think better of them. She knew it was probably a mistake to ask that. It was something Pam had been thinking about for some time, but she'd never asked because then it would be out there. Final. A yes or no question. And Pamela knew in her heart that she would say no. Would you wish it upon anyone else? Harleen asked. When Pam didn't answer, she stopped and put her hand under Pam's chin, forcing her to meet her eyes. She used her thumb to wipe her tears away and then asked, Would you wish it upon me? Pam dropped her gaze. If you asked me, I would. I'm not asking. Pam's lip quivered, and as a new tear rolled down her cheek, she lunged forward and kissed Harley, hard. Like she was trying to stop this moment from spinning out of control. Trying to control something. Trying to keep Harley there and never let her go. The song had long since ended, the DVD had looped back to the menu, but there Pam stood with her fingers threaded through Harley's hair, Harley's strong arms still wrapped around her waist. 
I'm yours as long as I'm here, Harley murmured once they broke apart. But I, I can't stay forever. Chapter 17 Jolene Harley sighed. Please get off the counter. The girl was in a crouched position, biting her tongue where it stuck out of her mouth and scribbling with a crayon on a piece of paper. Sorry, mama. No can do. I'm drawn a picture. I can see that, Harlene acknowledged. But why do you need to stand on the counter to do it? I gotta get the right vantage point to capture the light, Joe explained like it was obvious, her focus never wavering from the task at hand. Harlene tried not to laugh. The right vantage point? It's all about perspective, Mama, Joe told her. Okay, well, now Harley was curious. She got up from the kitchen table and walked over to the counter, looking over Joe's shoulder at, stick figures. Of course they were just stick figures. She was five. They should go ahead and give you your art school diploma now. That's what I've been thinking, Joe agreed. She made some final touches on the sun in the sky and then proudly held it up for Harleen to see in all its glory. The drawing depicted three people holding hands while standing in front of a house. Wow, it's beautiful, Jolene, Harley moved in to examine the crayon marks more critically. Is that me? She pointed to the tallest figure. Yep. Joe said. And that's me, she pointed to the smallest. And that's Anthony, she indicated the red-headed figure that held her left hand while Harley took her right. It's our family. Harleen frowned slightly. Where's mom? Joe laughed. At work. See? She pointed to the sun in the sky. Mom's not in our daytime family. Anthony started his self-taught piano lesson in the other room and it threw off Harley's response formulation, so she just gently took the picture from the girl and went to hang it on the fridge. No. Joe said, stopping Harley in her tracks, that's a secret picture just for us. Mom will be sad if we hang it up and mom is grumpy when she's sad. Harleen turned around, her brow furrowed. So then what do you think we should do with it? Put it in a secret hiding spot, Joe suggested. Honey. Harley leaned against the counter. I don't think it's good to keep secrets from mom. But she keeps secrets from the whole world, mama. That way we can be safe, Joe reminded her. I'm just keeping her safe from being sad. Pam felt her back stick to the car seat as she pulled herself out. The F, she felt the spot with her hand and it came away red and sticky. Of course. Pam laughed mirthlessly. Because why not? She yanked her bag from the passenger seat and slammed the door shut harder than was necessary. It was already 11 p.m., the lights were off in the house, thank Gaia, Pam thought, realizing Harleen was probably taking her nap before work and the kids were already asleep, meaning she could just take a quick shower and then crawl into bed. Pam dropped her house keys as she pulled them from her bag, forcing her to wave her arms wildly trying to trigger the motion sensor porch light. When it didn't respond, Pam knocked her forehead against the door and whispered F-U-U-C-C-C-K-K-K, in a clear attempt to reboot her mind, and that seemed to do the trick because the light switched on. Thank you, she clasped her hands in front of her, looking towards the sky. Thank you, and bent down and picked up her key, inserting it into the door and twisting the handle. Once inside, her first move was to flick on the light, 
but she immediately regretted it, as it illuminated the foyer effectively enough to see that Harleen was sitting in the large chair in the living room wearing the, we need to talk, expression. No, Pam said, firmly. No. Whatever it is, please, not right now. Harleen was offended. I haven't even said anything yet. Pam shook her head. No, I know that look. I know what this is, and it's not happening. Not until I take a shower. Well. Harley stood up, pulling down the hem of her t-shirt. How about I join you? Pam regarded her critically as she set her bag down. Fine. But only if you help me get this crap off my back, she turned around to show her the blood attempting to dry there. And then we have sex because I really don't need a domestic quarrel right now. Oh my god, what happened? Harleen was alarmed at what she thought was an open wound. Harley, is that what my blood looks like? Pam asked. Oh, pfft, Harleen laughed, bonking herself on the forehead. Duh. Who'd you kill? Pam squinted, affecting her best WTF face. Um, you didn't know him. Wait. Now Harleen was concerned. You didn't actually kill anyone, did you? No, Bruce wouldn't let me, Pam grumbled, before remembering there was another conversation they were supposed to be having. So can I fuck you, or what? Hey. Harley was back to being offended. I resent that coarse language, but then Pam raised an eyebrow and Harley giggled immediately. Okay, no I don't. Shaking her head, Pam started up the stairs and the blonde was quick to follow. Their voices changed to whispers as they passed the kids' rooms. But we do need to talk, can we try to multitask? Are you serious right now? Dead serious. Pam closed their bedroom door behind them, returning her voice to conversational volume. Harleen, no offense, but you aren't exactly the most, coherent lover. How do you expect? How could I not take offense to that? Pam mulled that over for a moment. How could you take offense to that? She left Harley there with her brow furrowed in favor of the bathroom where she pulled her tank top up over her head, but as soon as she got the garment off, there was Harley again, inches from her face. Fuck, Harl. She jumped, startled. Something her wife ignored. I think we asked the kids to keep too many secrets. No, Harleen. No means no. Just give me like ten minutes. Please, Pam implored. Harleen sighed, sliding her arms around Pam's waist and slipping her hands into the waistband of her leggings, pushing them down past her hips. I just, between asking them to maintain their secret identity and not telling them where I go at night. You just brought up two contradictory examples, Pam leaned back against the glass of the shower as Harley inched her pants down over her thighs, leaving them to pool around her ankles. I'm honestly not sure which one is worse anymore, kneeling down, Harley helped her step out of the fabric and then tossed them into the corner of the room. She pressed a kiss to Pam's abdomen. I used to think it was obviously keeping a secret that big from them, but now I realize, she dragged her lips down to Pam's hip bone and gently nipped at the skin there. Asking them to keep a secret that big might actually be in a shadier moral area. Well you're the one that, Pam reached down and grabbed the back of Harley's t-shirt, pulling it off as Harley helped her by raising her arms said we needed to explain the extent of my powers to them. That's just going to, 
MMM, Helene had her panties between her teeth. Further complicate things. Things are already complicated, the blonde muttered through clenched teeth as she dragged that garment down as well. What I'm saying is. Yes, what are you saying? Pam demanded. Because I really don't underst. Her hands suddenly fisted in Harleen's hair and the blonde held up a finger to indicate it would be a moment before she got her response. The sh, the shower, Pam mumbled, her eyes closing of their own accord. We're, we're wasting water. Evidently determining she was right, Harley stood up, and in one move opened the shower and pushed Pam backwards into it. She stumbled slightly, but Harley was pressing her into the wall before she had time to actually slip. Harley made no move to shield herself, or her sweatpants and sports bra, from the water spraying out of the shower head. What I'm saying is. She moved Pam's now wet hair out of her face to kiss her. I think forcing the kids into our lie might have some, she slipped her index finger into Pamela's mouth. Lasting negative psychological consequences. Pam rolled her eyes as she sucked on the other woman's finger. You know, water is actually a pretty effective lubricant. Harley's eyes widened like she was surprised at this information and she quickly removed her finger. Thank goodness I married a doctor, otherwise I'd never be privy to such advanced solutions to the complexities of human anatomy. I'm not that kind of doctor. Oh, you're right, Harleen smiled, placidly. I am, and with that, she wrapped her arm around Pam's waist and drove her up the wall. Pam bit down on Harley's shoulder as the blonde set their pace. Harley gasped before gritting her teeth and pressing her forehead into the tile wall, her lips brushing against Pam's ear with each push. I'm worried we might be asking too much of them. Well that's not what, that's not what I, Pam was trying her best to get her sentence out. Honestly, Pamela, Harley laughed. Must you be so incoherent? Pam's response was to bite down harder until she apologized, and when she did, Pam forced the rest out that's not what I want for them. But it's a necessary evil. We knew that, MMM, going in. Harley's pants were so soaked now their own weight was dragging them down off of her hips. I hate that everything has to be so complicated, she added a second finger and picked up the pace. There, fuck, she grabbed Harley's face and kissed her roughly. They're happy kids, right? That's what you're always, fuck, telling me. Yeah. Then let's not get ahead of ourselves, Pam suggested, snaking her hand up the back of Harley's sports bra and digging her nails in. It wasn't much longer before she fell apart with a cry that Harley muffled with a kiss. See? Harley grinned. We're incredible multitaskers, Pam glared in response and Harley wrapped a wet lock of red hair around her finger, smiling at how the water had darkened it to Anthony's coloring. The kids miss you when you're gone. You know. Pam sighed. I think I'd prefer we not discuss the children in this context, she shut off the water and reached back to unclasp the bra she'd neglected to remove, helping Harley out of hers as well. Maybe you should, Harley looked down at her feet. Maybe you should come home. I am home, Pam helped her out of her sweatpants. It's midnight, Pam, Harley reminded her. Just, look, the Justice League stuff is mandatory, I know that. But if you drop the lab job, you could be here when they get home from school, if you're not on call, I mean. Wouldn't that be nice? The four of us? 
We have the money, Pam. You know we do. And I'm still in negotiations for this book deal, but I know it'll be. Would Dr. Quinzel agree? Pam asked. What? On my release papers you stated that to poison Ivy should maintain a civilian occupation as well as fulfill her contract with the Batman. She requires constant mental stimulation, and without a replacement of purpose from her current villain alignment, she will continue to be a menace to society. Pam reminded her, quoting the report word for word and crossing her arms over her chest. So, Harleen, I'm curious what Dr. Quinzel would think of your suggestion. She'd think, yes. Well, yeah, duh, Harley laughed. Honey. Pamela swept her up into a kiss. I think you might be a little biased. Harley sighed. Just, think about it, alright? They're gonna hate both of us pretty soon, and that job will always be there for you. After the kids leave, after I, you know, just, let's spend as much time together as possible while you still want to see me naked. Pam laughed. Is that what this is about? Well sorta, Harley admitted with a smile that quickly turned sad. And I want you to be a part of our daytime family. Chapter 18 Pamela had always been a careful person. She had an analytical mind. A scientific thought process. She'd never been the sort of villain to break things just for the sake of it. She wasn't Joker. Her lifeblood was not chaos. So it had taken some time. It took a lot of time. But she had finally arrived at a decision. She pushed her sunglasses on top of her head as she pulled up to the gate at Wayne Manor. Who is it? A male voice came from the intercom. I know you can see me, Pam waved. Just let me in. Who is it? The voice repeated. It's Ivy. Who the fuck does it look like? Well, Aquawoman, sorta. Dick, Pam's patience was already gone. I know it's you. Just open the fucking gate. Are you in a bad mood? Not until this exchange, I wasn't. Fine. Dick's spirits had clearly been dampened and so he forfeited, opening the gate for her. But only halfway, trapping her car between the doors so she couldn't move forward. Dick. You're going to scratch my car, you. Dick? Pam sighed, leaning back in her seat. Yeah. Dick laughed, opening the gate the rest of the way. Come on in. Selena was sitting at the kitchen bar eating a bowl of cereal when Pam let herself in. She had clearly just been through a workout as she was dressed in a pair of spandex shorts and a sweaty tank top. Hey, Selena greeted, not looking up from whatever she was reading on her phone as she took another bite of, honeycombs. Jolene would spit that back on the counter, Pam thought. This gossip rag thinks I had plastic surgery. Pam sighed. You have to ignore that stuff, Selena. It's all trash. Selena shrugged. I guess I'm vain, oh, hey, did you see the Gotham Star this week? No. Pam sat down, tossing her car keys onto the counter. Did Hillary Clinton pop out another alien baby? Or did they finally decide to leave her alone? Ha, huh, Selena scoffed, navigating to the magazine's homepage. Like that'll ever happen. No, here. She passed Pam the phone, who took it apprehensively. They seem to think Batman and Poison Ivy are fucking. 
Selena translated the headline that was splayed over a picture of the two on a rooftop wherein Ivy had her hand on Batman's chest. That is such bullshit, was Pam's immediate reaction. I'm not sleeping with Bruce. I have never slept with Bruce. Selena laughed. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. And what happened to you just have to ignore it. It's all trash. Pam ignored her. That picture is being taken completely out of context. So what was the context? Selena wanted to know. I was. Pam had to think for a moment. Oh. I was telling him how ugly I thought my new suit was. Pam remembered. Yeah, not a fan of the teal. Selena agreed. The black was a lot sexier. Thank you. Pam breathed a sigh of relief at their shared opinion. And then I told him I didn't like his logo redesign either, and I had to show him where I thought the bat wings were too fat. Selena laughed. Makes total sense to me. Where do they get off reporting outright lies? Pam demanded. See, this is the true human condition. Just this festering. You need to calm yourself. Selena said. Just, chill, please. She waited until Pam was staring angrily down into her lap before continuing. Now why are you here, bugging me on a Saturday? Isn't there a, child soccer game you should be at or something? That seemed to turn Pam around rather quickly, because when she looked up to meet Selena's eyes, it was with a warm smile on her face. Flag football, actually. I never much saw the appeal, but Jolene is very passionate about it. Selena chuckled. Joe is the one playing football? Not Anthony? Oh, no. Pam shook her head. Anthony isn't exactly enamored by athletics. He's a fairly talented pianist, though. Anna. Pam. Selena stopped her, looking almost terrified as the redhead threatened to rattle on. Why are you here? Oh, I, I need to talk to Bruce. Pam said. Mm. Selena grunted, dismissively, getting up and beckoning for Ivy to follow her into the elevator. She silently pressed the button and crossed her arms as the car took them up to the top floor where Pam knew Bruce's study was located. You. Pam cleared her throat. You look good. Selena stared straight ahead. Thanks. Then the elevator dinged and Selena led them out into the hallway, passing a few bedrooms and the library until Selena was opening a large oak door, revealing Bruce working at his computer. I'd appreciate a knock. He intoned, not acknowledging them further. Noted. Selena and Pam said together, with the same snide cadence. They turned to look at each other, both with an arched eyebrow, and then Bryce was looking at them too, his eyes narrowed. What is this? She asked, cautiously. I don't know, Selena plopped down in the leather chair in the corner. Ask Pam. Bruce looked at Pam expectantly, and she swallowed. Firstly, did you receive my memo? He sat back in his chair, running a hand through his salt and pepper hair. Sighing, he asked, which one? If it's about your suit, I'm sorry the color palette is not to your liking. It's just, it's really ugly, Bruce. Pam complained. Booster keeps calling me Mara, and I can't even argue because the reality is I look like a goddamn seahorse in that thing. 
I thought you would appreciate an updated color scheme. Why, Bruce? Why? Pam demanded. Do I seem like the kind of person that appreciates a drastic change of appearance? She's got a reputation to protect, Bruce. Selena helped her out. I've got a reputation to protect, Bruce. Pam seconded. Bruce was massaging his temples, his eyes closed in a clear attempt at something approaching zen. For you, Pamela, I will take another look at the design. Great, Selena pulled herself out of her chair. Glad we got that settled. Where are you going? Bruce asked, watching as she moved towards the door. To steal something. Selena had her hand on the knob. And if either of your assholes try to stop me I'm going straight to the Gotham Star to tell them Pam lets you take her from behind. And by that I mean up the. Selena. Pam was horrified. But Bruce sat with his brow furrowed, mulling that over. I failed to see how that would reflect negatively on me. Before he'd even finished his sentence, though, the potted plant on his desk began to tremble, mirroring Ivy's look of fury as her fists clenched. Oh, got it. He uneasily moved the plant to the ground. Keep the price tag under one million. Two. Selena negotiated. One and a quarter. One and a half. Fine. Bruce waved her away and she shut the door behind her with a satisfied smile. Pam turned to him once she was gone, her arms crossed, residual anger still marrying her fair features. I always pay them back, Bruce assured her. He watched as the redhead rolled her eyes and sat down in the chair in front of his desk. So what do you actually want? Because there's no way you came up here on your day off just to complain about the shade of green the first used on your suit. Right. Pam cleared her throat and reached into the pocket of her jacket, producing her STR Labs ID card. Silently, she slid it across his desk. What's this? He asked, pointing to it without picking it up. I, I'm retiring. She told him. For this lifetime, anyway. What? I would like to forfeit my position at STR Labs for the time being. Pam clarified. I don't understand. Bruce sat forward. I gave you everything you could have wanted. Okay, first of all, Pam crossed her arms again. You didn't give me anything. The PhD I earned qualified me for this position. Well, fine, Bruce conceded that point. But this is maybe the premier position in your chosen field. How could you possibly be unhappy? I'm not. I'm very happy. Pam told him. But, I'm confident I can continue to make contributions to science without spending my days in a lab. I'd rather, I'd rather be at home for now. Pamela, Bruce sighed. You know I can't allow that. In your release paperwork it explicitly states that. She cut him off, my psychiatrist signed off on it. Bruce stopped, looking at her with something approaching pity. Pamela. My psychiatrist, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, has given my proposal her blessing. Pam said, slower this time. I hear she's married with two kids now, which is just, fantastic, don't you think? So glad she could move in a healthy direction after the tragedy that befell her in her early adulthood. Bruce narrowed his eyes, but Ivy didn't squirm or waver under his judgment. Just sat there, one leg crossed over the other, 
her hands folded neatly in her lap, with the ghost of a smirk playing on her lips. Dr. Quinzel is no longer employed by Arkham Asylum. Bruce reminded her. True, Ivy granted. But she is still involved with their outpatient program, assigned to special cases of patients she, herself, helped to treat. The mentally ill aren't known for taking kindly to change, you see. Arkham didn't want to interrupt my healing, and Dr. Quinzel was more than happy to stay on as my doctor. She absently traced her finger over her thigh. Some say she took a liking to me. Can't imagine why. Bruce gritted. Ivy smiled. Five years ago you offered me a deal. You said my family would be taken care of. That's not what I want. I don't need your money, although I have signed a few of my patents over to you, and those, in time, will repay the funds you donated to my, genetics project. That wasn't intended as a loan, Bruce told her. We agreed it was a gift. Yes, well, that was then. Ivy stood up. But now I'm beginning to resent the leverage you have over me. Is this even what you want? Bruce asked. Truly. Ivy smoothed down her skirt. It took me two years to come to this decision, and it's not without some trepidation. But yes, it is what I want. She started for the door, leaving her ID card on his desk. Oh. Pam spun around. I almost forgot, Harl wanted me to remind you that Joe's game is at two today, in case you wanted to come. Is that today? Bruce sounded a bit regretful. Yeah, it's the last game of the season so we were planning to go out to dinner afterwards. Pam informed him. Barbara is supposed to accompany us for that portion of the afternoon, and, well, Selena didn't seem all that interested, but you've been invited anyway. I'll see if I can push something back. The day was a bit overcast and windy, certainly. Gotham City wasn't exactly known for its pristine weather conditions, after all, and although spring was usually the exception, this day was not. Joe had refused to wear pants, or a sweatshirt, not that Harleen was modeling the best behavior, with her jean shorts and three-quarters sleeve t-shirt ensemble. For some reason, even without the sun, she'd elected to wear a baseball cap over her ponytail. Are we going to watch Joe or your office softball game? Pam asked as they approached the field, Joe skipping ahead of them and Anthony following just behind. Harleen looked down at her clothing, at first not totally understanding Pam's joke. Oh, she chuckled. No, I just left my, I'm a lesbian, sign at home. Needed some other way to communicate that. Pam laughed. I think your shorts would have to be a bit longer to make that explicit. Damn it, you're right. Harley set her lawn chair down by the edge of the field and quickly pulled Pam into a kiss that may have lasted just a bit too long. In the spirit of explicitness. Now Harley was looking over Pam's shoulder and animatedly greeting a couple that was starring. Hi. I'm Harleen. Why, yes, we know, the woman stammered as Jolene pranced back over to Pam for a final hair adjustment. Oh, of course. Harley acted like she was embarrassed. You're Simon's parents. And you're Jolene's mom, the woman acknowledged, eyeing the girl in question where Pam was tightening her ponytail. Jolene herself caught the woman's wandering eyes and smiled, and this is my other mom. She patted Pam on the shoulder. I have two moms, which is sorta like having a mom and a dad, 
except for better because boys are terrible. Pam smiled slyly. But not Anthony, Joe amended. Brothers are the best. Anthony was sitting down in his own lawn chair at this point, initially watching the exchange with some indifference, but now charmed by his sister despite himself. Pam leaned forward and gave her a kiss on the cheek once she'd finished. Have a good game, she told her. Oh, don't worry, Mom. I will. Joe winked, before turning and sprinting across the field towards her team's bench. And Pam rose to her feet, brushing off her skirt and smiling as pleasantly as she could muster. I'm Lillian, it's a pleasure. The man was grinning stupidly, so Pam elected to shake the woman's hand. I've never seen you before. The man said, dreamily. So maybe Pamela could have reduced her pheromone output just slightly, but she'd always found this effect enjoyable. The woman was staring questioningly at her husband, who was basically drooling at this point. Pam ran a hand through her hair for good measure, and bit her lip just because she could. Harley's attention had already moved to something else. No way, she said under her breath. Pam looked as well, to see Selena making her way over from the parking lot, her heels getting stuck in the mud every few feet. Hey! Harley waved her over. Pam could see her eye roll from here, but decided to sit down since Harley and Selena could handle themselves now. She was grateful every day that she no longer had to play the role of the kindly intermediary. When Selena arrived, the first thing Pam noticed was the shiny diamond necklace she was displaying over her coat. At least she'd been productive. Pam had to grant her that. It became clear as the first half began that Bruce couldn't make it, so he'd tagged Selena in, which was just as well, being that she and. Pamela's discussions of civilian life had always flowed more easily than with Bruce. Harleen spent most the game on her feet, cheering obnoxiously as Joe barreled down defenders. It seemed that Joe had missed the boat on this being flag football rather than tackle. But regardless of the ethics of Joe's playing style, she was successful with it, accounting for all of her team's touchdowns and most of their defensive stops. Anthony sat and watched like Jolene's behavior was normal. Like it happened every week, which it probably did, Pam realized. In all honesty, it had been some time since Pam had taken a Saturday off to actually come and watch the game. Previously, she'd only seen Joe play through videos recorded on Harley's phone. But Joe clearly wasn't trying to be a bully, she wasn't overly aggressive, really. More just, physically dominant. Her movements were fluid, she was quicker on her feet and more coordinated than the other children, all boys, by the way. Harleen was extremely athletic, and by all accounts had been that way from a young age, but Joe seemed, enhanced, somehow. Pamela looked down at her toned legs showing beneath her skirt, and then over at Anthony who, although only twelve, had visible separations in his arm muscles. Oh, Pamela hadn't really considered those implications before. Jolene was enhanced. They all were. Harleen didn't look out of place in their family, but that was because she spent hours in the gym every day and her nights running around the city. Joe had an unfair advantage here. Maybe that didn't matter today, but someday it might. Pam filed a mental note to run further tests in order to determine the extent to which her DNA was affecting her children. She probably should have done that earlier, but most of her focus had been on how they would mature mentally and if they would appear human. 
she hadn't factored in Harley's athletic influence and their likely need to assimilate into that culture. But, she couldn't perform the tests at the lab because she wasn't employed there anymore, something she had yet to make Harley aware of. Now she was staring at her wife uneasily from across the table at the pizza parlor Jolene had chosen. Pam's stomach clenched as she remembered the last big decision she'd made on her own, but Harley had asked for this one. True it had been two years since that late-night conversation, but there were things to put in place. Pros and cons to weigh. And, no, they hadn't spoken about it since, but Harley hadn't retracted her request, so, there was no reason for Pamela to think her honoring that would be met with any resistance. Mom. Anthony nudged her gently, pulling her out of her thoughts. Jolene wants to know if you saw her knock Simon over. Pam blinked, shifting her gaze from Harleen to Joe, who was wearing an expectant smile on her face, her medal still draped proudly around her neck. Yes, yes, darling. Pam assured her. Yes, I saw it. Wadja think? Joe asked with a toothy grin. Well, he was on your team, no? Pam inquired. Isn't the goal of the sport to knock the opposition over? Yeah, Joe giggled. But I didn't really like the way his mom and dad were looking at Cha. Because I don't think people should be surprised if someone has two moms, and I was just really happy you came to watch me. Did you? She absently fingered her medal. Did you think I did a good job? Pam smiled warmly. So good, Jolene. The girl's cheeks flushed and she had to turn her smile away from Pam, now staring down at the medal around her neck. Thank you. Tonight. Pamela would tell Harley tonight. Chapter 19 Selena and Pam stood on the curb, watching Harleen and Barbara conversing outside the restroom as they waited for Joe. Anthony was already in the car. Why the crutches? Selena asked, breaking the silence, surprising Pam in the process as she had evidently forgotten the other woman was still there. She's done with the chair, or... Experimental surgery, Pam's tone made it clear her words should have been in air quotes. Selena leaned back against her car. She couldn't make a full recovery? We thought that was a little far-fetched. For now, at least. Selena nodded until she was looking down at her feet. After a brief pause, she cleared her throat. Is she happy? Well, the chair was rather cumbersome, Pam answered. It will certainly be helpful logistically. And what about you leaving your job? Is she happy about that? She glanced over at Pam, who was looking at her with a curious expression. Bruce and I have very few secrets. She quickly explained. Jolene was probably making a mess of the soap dispenser, Pamela assumed, as that was the only explanation for what was taking so long. I haven't told her yet, she mumbled. A smirk spread across Selena's lips. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. She pulled her hand in a fist out of her jacket pocket and held it out to the redhead. With a raised eyebrow, Pam offered an open palm and a necklace was deposited into it. More understated than the one Selena was wearing around her neck, but still beautiful. What's this for? Pam asked. For in case you need to smooth things over, Selena explained. Pam examined it, admiring how the glow of the streetlight reflected in the metal. You stole this for her? I thought I'd donate to a good cause, 
Selena looked satisfied with herself, but scuffed her heel on the pavement like she was unsure about something. Maybe even shy. This is going to sound cheesy, she began, her voice a bit quieter than normal, but I'm proud of you, Ivy. You are honestly the most stubborn asshole I know and I just wanted to commend you on how far you've come. She cleared her throat. I know you think Harl changed you, but other people can only inspire us to change. That influence is external. The actual mechanism, the action, comes from within us. Or, at least that's what the people at my AA meetings shove down my throat every night. So, give her credit if you want to, but at the end of the day, you have this life because you wanted it. Because you went out and got even if it meant feeling vulnerable, which I know you really fucking hate. Pam was still staring down at the necklace. She didn't quite know what to say. She and Selena's relationship had always been complicated, to say the least. They defended each other to the world, sure, but in a one-on-one -on -one setting, things often got heated. Tempers flared. They were both too similar and too distinct, but, thank you. Pam said, finally meeting the woman's eyes. Green that seemed to shine just as brightly as the necklace under the lights. This was, thoughtful. Yes, well, I'm a wonderful person. Dodo bird. Joe said as Pam pulled out of the parking lot, Harleen offered a final wave to Barbara. Anthony rolled his eyes, that's too easy. If it's so easy, then what's the answer? Joe teased. 1662, he told her, matter-of-factly. Okay. Joe furrowed her brow in thought. Black rhino. West African black rhinoceros, Anthony corrected. West Africa black rhinoceros, Joe repeated. Now quit Stalin. Last reported sighting was 2006, but it wasn't officially declared extinct until 2011, Anthony proudly informed her. Hey, guys. Harleen said from the front seat. How about we don't play extinct species tonight? It sorta bums everyone out. Well if humans hadn't been so careless. Pam and Anthony mumbled simultaneously. Ha. Huh. Joe laughed. Jinx. You guys owe me a coke. That's not the way jinxes work, Jolene, Anthony grumbled, turning his gaze out the window. Yeah, well, whatever happened to natural selection, huh? Joe sat forward. Didn't know I was being raised by a family that hates Darwin. I don't hate Darwin. Anthony shot back. You can accredit some extinctions to natural selection, like, sure, the dodo bird, but in modern times, causes of extinction can more often than not be attributed to human activity and carelessness. He had a rapt audience with his sister, but a critical one. Habitat destruction, increased human population, pollution, global warming, overhunting and fishing, poaching, introducing alien species into an environment, these are all factors, Joe, and they're all man-made. Mom! Joe shouted. What's the definition of natural selection? Word fair word. Pam switched on her turn signal. A natural process that results in the survival and reproductive success of individuals or groups best adjusted to their environment and that leads to the perpetuation of genetic qualities best suited to that particular environment. Harleen scoffed, so Pam amended her statement with, that's according to Webster's, anyway. Okay, see? Joe said. If humans are the dominant species, 
how come that's not still natural selection? Our genetic whatevers are just best suited for the environment, that's all. Alrighty then, Harleen turned around. How about you guys take a deep breath, huh? Your mother is barely clinging to biggest nerd status right now, and that's alarming, frankly. Anthony and Joe both had their arms crossed sulkily over their chests at this point, but participated in Harley's breathing exercise nonetheless. That's a dumb argument, Jolene, Anthony mumbled once Harley had turned back around. No, you're a dumb argument, was Joe's counter. Mom, she's being so childish. Please tell her to shut up. Anthony begged. Well that's probably cause I am a child, Joe reminded him, and not exactly gently. Pam cleared her throat as she rounded the final corner towards home. It is the obligation of the most evolved and advanced species to have discernment, just as it's our job as your parents to keep your best interests in mind. She pulled into the driveway and shut the car off. I understand the constructs of your argument, Jolene. And you're right, if we were going solely off of the black and white clinical definition of that theory, from the standpoint of strict Darwinian adherence, I might be inclined to agree. But human beings need to take responsibility for their actions. And so, in that spirit, Anthony will be the bigger person and accept his victory with grace. Right? In response, Anthony unbuckled his seatbelt so that he could reach over and hug his sister. She pouted a bit at first, but was quickly overcome with affection and squeezed him back. Wait! Harleen whipped out her phone, stopping them before they could break apart to take a picture. But did, eventually, allow them to go inside. Anthony headed straight for the piano while Jolene elected for a spot on the couch, flopping down and grabbing the TV remote. One show. Pam instructed. You can watch one show and then you've got a chapter to read. Blah, Joe spat, but sighed and nodded once she'd been fixed with a look, then sunk deeper into the pillows and navigated to Cartoon Network. Harleen started up the stairs to change into something warmer, Pam looked like she was about to follow, but hesitated at the bottom with her hand on the rail. You okay? Harley asked. I, yes, I'm just thirsty, Pam quickly abandoned the stairs in favor of the kitchen and Harleen looked after her questioningly until she ducked out of sight. With a shrug in Anthony's direction, who was studying Pam's behavior as well, she resumed her journey up the stairs, tossing her purse onto the bed before heading into the closet. It was a minute or two before she heard the floor creak in the hallway. Why are you being weird? Harley called out. Did Selena say something to you? She could feel Pam's eyes on her from the doorway before the woman approached, slowly, almost cautiously. Then Harley felt warm hands on her shoulders, moving down her arms and back up. Pamela cleared her throat, and Harley pressed against her, smiling at the feeling of Pam's chest on her back. You were quiet today. Harley heard the jingling of delicate metal, and just as she was about to turn around, Pamela was draping a silver chain around neck. She pulled a bit when clasping it into place and Harley giggled. Is this how you murder me? How elegant. Pam chuckled warmly into her ear. If that was my endgame you'd have been planting food some time ago. Well that's, reassuring. Harley looked down at the necklace. Did I, is it our anniversary? No. Harley could feel Pam's smile against her neck. But I have news. News? 
The blonde chuckled, spinning around in her arms. Come hither, brave traveler. What news do you bring? Pam attempted her usual affectionate eye roll at Harley's ridiculousness, but swallowed this time. It was subtle, but still an admission of some degree of anxiety. Evidently stealing her resolve, she moved forward and pressed her forehead against Harley's, taking a deep breath before saying, I left my job. Harley put a few inches of space between them, as if more distance would improve her hearing. You what? Pam's body language turned to defensive almost instantaneously. I thought about what you said, about the kids missing me, and I, I left. I decided to come home. Like you asked me to. No, I, yes, but, so yeah, that's barely English. Pam, you actually quit your job. Well, no, I forfeited my position for the time being. The redhead clarified. I didn't quit. Pam, are you, are you serious right now? Harley wasn't sure if she wanted to smile or furrowed her brow, so her expression ended up a confusing compromise. You just, left? Just like that? Just out of the blue? After all this time? No. Pam quickly came to her own defense, although what she was defending herself against, Harley wasn't quite sure. The bad memory from the last time she'd brought news, likely. A transition like this takes time and thorough contemplation. I've been putting things into place since we spoke, preparing for my absence from that world. Harley stepped back fully, dropping her wife's hands. Pamela Isley, if we have to move again I swear to fucking God. Pam was visibly relieved at the topic of Harley's concern. That's not what I mean. I just had to add some equipment to my home lab and finish up a project. For two years? Harley was fairly incredulous. More than she'd meant to be, maybe. The redhead frowned. I thought you would be happy about this. Fuck, Pam, I am. I totally am. This is just all so, sudden, and a bit, well, too good to be true. I guess I'm just waiting for the catch. Anne, and you love your job, babe. Yes. Pam acknowledged. But I also love you very much. You and the kids, and I want to be with you as often as I can. Anne, and I know it sounds silly, but I miss you when I'm gone. And while it's true that on my worst days I am more effective than the people who make up my staff, I don't believe in giving partial effort or attention. It's unfair to all parties involved, and I have been distracted lately, mostly by thoughts of you all. So. Pam glanced down at her feet briefly before returning her gaze to Harleen. I choose you. I've decided to choose you. Harleen was crying by this point. Because, of course she was crying. This time, Pamela was successful with her affectionate eye roll. Every time, Harleen. Must this be your reaction every time I give a speech? Oh sue me for utilizing my tear ducts, the blonde laughed as she wiped the salty liquid away from her eyes. But really, it's you that should be crying for me. Oh. Why is that, a hint of a smile played on Pam's lips. With you at home, I fear the frequency of debates on Darwinism will increase. Harley said, trying her very best to keep a straight face. I knew Anthony was a goner, he wears glasses, after all, but Jolene is still young and naive and impressionable and I'm afraid you'll have your hooks in her before I can save her from an Ivy League education.
Pamela smirked, sauntering forward and wrapping her arms around Harley's waist. I hate to break it to you, Daffodil, she leaned in and ghosted her lips up the other woman's neck, but Jolene is seven years old and familiar enough with Charles Darwin to casually cite his theories as evidence in a debate. She planted a kiss at the base of her jaw. I'm fairly certain I've already got her. Mmm, how cruel, Harley pulled the other woman's face upwards to give her a proper kiss. And here I thought Poison Ivy had turned a new leaf. See what I did there? Pam, did you see what I did there? Yes, Harley. I did. Leaf, because of the hole, you're a plant thing. Yes, thank you, Harley. I got it. Chapter 20 But, why? Anthony was confused. Your job is awesome, Mom. Why would you leave it just so you can hang out with us more? People have to work. That's what you guys always say. Yes, Pam acknowledged. But I am a, unique case. How come? Jolene asked. Cause of that? She pointed to Ivy's green hands peeking out from her long-sleeved shirt. Cause you already have a job saving the world cause you're poison ivy? Well, yes and no, Pam said after a brief hesitation. Yes, but not exactly for the reason you think. Okay. Joe sat back, crossing her arms and eyeing her mom suspiciously. So what's the reason? Pam drummed her fingers on the table for a moment, glancing over at Harley for some moral support. Harley offered a small, reassuring nod, and with a sigh, Pam pulled a shoebox out from under her chair and set it gently on the table in front of her. Jolene moved onto her knees and leaned forward over the table to get a closer look as Pam pulled the lid back. Inside was a stack of photographs, along with some dried rose petals and what seemed to be shards of broken porcelain. The girl frowned. How come you keep dead flowers in a shoebox, Mom? That's not important right now, Pam said quickly, lifting the photographs out of the box. And what about this, huh? Joe reached into the box and roughly grabbed at one of the shards. No, don't. Pam caught her by the wrist before she could reach it. She's, it's broken. Joe pulled her hand away, moving cautiously back into her seat as Pam closed her eyes briefly, resuming the drumming of her fingers on the table. Hey, Red? Harley ventured, gently. Let's move forward, okay? Pam pushed out a forceful breath before opening her eyes once more. Okay, she affirmed, sliding a photograph out of the pile and across the table for Joe and Anthony to examine. Both took a moment to study it before responding, but a moment was all it took for Anthony's distress to override his artificial coloring. He was a pale green when he tore his eyes away from the picture. You have another family? And you let your other daughter dress up in old-timey dresses for family pictures? Jolene was equally distraught. What? Pam was confused at first, but then she took another look at the picture. Oh. She laughed, uncomfortably, no, that woman was my mother. That's me. She pointed to the girl in the photo. Well how come you wouldn't let us do a theme for our pictures? Joe demanded. Harleen sighed. In hindsight, maybe we should have explained some of this beforehand. Right. Pam tried again. Do you, how old do you think I am? Anthony shrugged. Younger than Mama, I guess. 
Harleen made a face, though Pam wasn't completely sure she meant to. Actually, she's about 40 years younger, Pam informed them. See, I was born in 1933. You were born in, what, 71? She checked with Harley. That, makes absolutely zero sense, Anthony forced out a laugh. I was seven here, Pam tapped her finger on the picture in front of them. Your age, Joe. That was 1940. In 1966. Pam shuffled through the pile until she found what she was looking for. I had just earned my PhD. She slid them the photo Harleen had seen many years ago in the Jason Woodrue section of Poison Ivy's patient file. This was the original copy. And was employed by this man, here. He was. She contemplated how best to phrase a description. Unethical. No, Harleen shook her head. He was evil, Pamela. The redhead nodded in agreement to the revision. Evil. But. Joe's brow was furrowed, her face screwed into one big question mark. Mom, you don't look any older now. Just prettier. So you were, 33 here? Anthony did the math. That's right, Pam nodded. Okay, well, that's what you look like. 30, Anthony slid the photo away. I don't get how you can look 7 when you're 7, 30 when you're 30, but 30 when you're also. He did some more quick math. Mom, are you almost 100 years old? Yes. 88, to be exact. Pam told him. But you wouldn't know it because of that man in the picture. He, trapped me here. In this body, with this face. He made me poison ivy, and poison ivy, she doesn't age. But so you weren't green when you were really 30? Joe asked. He made you green? Yes, and them, provided me other, desirable physical attributes that I wasn't, that I didn't have before. Joe studied the photograph for a moment. You mean like your boobies? Jolene. Harley wasn't quite sure why she was so offended on Pamela's behalf, but her face was suddenly red. Pam placed her hand on the blonde's arm. No, that's, what I meant. Oh my god. Harley stared straight ahead. My entire life has been a lie. She then immediately clamped her hand over her mouth. Holy shit, did I say that out loud? Yeah, Anthony confirmed. And you swore. Pam and Joe both ignored the flustered woman, the girl still staring down at the photo. With a delicate finger, she traced the features of her real 30-year-old mother. How come, she asked. Well. Pam cleared her throat, shifting slightly in her chair. He changed me to satisfy two of his needs, both his curious yet sadistic scientific mind, and his, masculine demands. Joe pursed her lips as the other two table occupants stayed silent. Did he, did he hurt you in your privates? She asked. Emichem, Pam acknowledged with a nod. Yes, he did. The girl finally raised her eyes then, and they were full of tears when she did, but not exactly ones of sadness or mourning, they were angry, her jaw was set. And through gritted teeth she asked, is that man dead now? Yes. Pam nodded, slowly. A bit perplexed by her daughter's reaction. Has been for about thirty years now. Did you kill him? Was Anthony's question, 
although his tone was much softer than the one Jolene had taken. I did not. Although I would have liked to. Pam admitted. Batman killed him. Do you think it hurt him? Jolene wondered. Yes, I do. Pam assured her. I like to think his death was very painful. Good, Joe said, and there was a certain finality to her words. Would you ever hurt a girl like that, Anthony? The boy looked horrified, his eyes widening at his sister's question. No way. No, that's the meanest thing a person can do. No way. Good, Joe repeated. Mom, she looked at Pam sincerely, pointedly, and told her, would kill him if he wasn't already dead. Joe. Harleen was a bit jarred by her daughter's reaction, especially as they hadn't had a terribly in-depth rape talk before. Why do you say that? Because I hate him, Jolene snapped. I know this man already. He comes in my head when I close my eyes at night. I see him when I have my scariest dreams. This man, specifically? Pam asked. You recognize this man? Joe nodded ardently. I can't move and he asks me answers to questions I don't really know, but I always have the right answer. But I don't get scared anymore, she stated, proudly. Why not? Pam breathed. The girl smiled reassuringly. Because my name's not Pammy. That's your name, I think. So I'm not scared because he doesn't really want to talk to me. He wants to talk to you. Pamela sat, frozen, her mouth hanging dumbly open. Mom, is, is that what you remember? Anthony asked. Is that what he did to you? That must be how they communicate with you, Jolene. Pam murmured. You can't hear them, they show you. Who? Jolene questioned, her head cocked innocently. Tears were beginning to gather in Pam's eyes as well now. Oh, sweet pea. I'm so sorry. She got up and walked swiftly around the table, kneeling in front of her daughter's chair and pulling her into a tight hug. I'm so sorry. Puzzle, or at least taken by surprise, it took a moment for Jolene to hug back, but when she did it was with one arm around Pam's neck and one hand softly patting her head. It's okay, Mom, I'm a brave girl, just like you. Anthony was staring blankly into space. How long will you be trapped? Indefinitely, Harleen answered when Pamela failed to. Mom's is a unique case because she has all the time in the world, really. Jolene separated from the redhead to stare down at her. So you won't ever be an old lady? Pam shook her head, but remained silent. But Mama will? Anthony attempted to clarify. And Jolene and I will? Even though I'm, this? He held up his green-tinted hands. Just like you? This isn't what you want, Anthony, Pam exhorted. And there are a lot of ways in which you and I are different. The boy's blue eyes turned glassy. You made us. His complexion had darkened to a shade of green nearing Ivy's natural hue. And you made us have to die. He stood up from his seat, slowly, but with his fists clenched. You didn't want to be a mom forever, so you made us just like all the other humans, but with all your worst parts. He spat. Anthony, I wasn't sure what the side effects would be to using my DNA, Pam reasoned. I could only run so many tests, and I... 
You got lazy. Anthony summarized. So now I hear your voices and have your skin, while Joe has your memories as her nightmares. But we don't have any real powers. That's okay, though, right? Because we're mostly just stupid humans and you'll never get older, so you'll probably have other wives and other kids. Harley shot up from her chair. Anthony Quinzel, knock it off. The boy blinked angry tears out of his eyes. This isn't fair. You're right, Anthony. It's not. Pam agreed, not in the slightest. Not even a little bit. I know you're frustrated. I was frustrated too. I still am. I wake up every day frustrated. But this is the life I have and you are what I've decided to do with it. I love you and your sister more than I thought I'd ever be able to love anything, so I'm sorry for your suffering, but I am not sorry I made you, and I never will be. Not in a thousand years I won't be. Anthony looked like he was trying to put together a response, but he ultimately just wiped his face with the sleeve of his sweater, and stormed off towards his bedroom after shooting a final glare at his parents.